who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Hey, it's Mae Whitman, and I play Frankie in the new Realm podcast, The Sisters. The Sisters is about a museum curator of medical oddities who investigates the origins of a mutated skeleton with two layers of bones. Soon, she uncovers an extraordinary mystery that connects her present with one family's tragic past in hauntingly dangerous ways. Listen to The Sisters wherever you get your podcasts. Well, hey there, nacho experts, casual listeners, people who have stumbled across our podcast for the first time. I'm sorry to keep you from getting right into it, but I want to run a few things past you first. So it is the end of 2020, a hell year that none of us will ever forget. And as you know, this year has been different in an innumerable amount of ways. And in terms of us here at the show, things have been a little different, too. In the nearly five years that we've been making this show, we've gone from a whole movie in one episode with 15 episodes a season and months off before the start of the next. And then we started cutting our episodes into two parts, which I know that some of you really didn't like. And now we're running a totally different operation since the pandemic started with full length episodes nearly every week, no official seasons no scale at the end of each movie, and very few breaks. I want to know from you, our loyal listeners, what format you preferred. If you're okay moving forward without seasons, if you'd like us to continue the scale with updated categories, etc. We've set up a Google form to get your feedback. It is in the description of this podcast. Whether you're a loyal listener who loves the show or someone who tunes in occasionally or even someone who rarely listens anymore, but for some reason is hearing this, your feedback is welcome and will be taken into consideration. This is a passion project of mine. As you know, it would have to be. And I want to make it as enjoyable of an experience for all of us as possible while still being true to myself and what I love about doing this show. While I'm here, if you're really enjoying the show, I should tell you about our Patreon. We have a ton of bonus episodes up on my network, Solid Listen. So many shows under Solid Listen. I'll tell you about that more in a second. But not only do we have long bonus episodes with guests you've already heard of on the show and friends you don't even know of yet, 
But there's bonus content for the whole network. Dunzo, Feathers in My Hair, Downtown Writers Jam, Everybody Wants Something, Make It Cute, and Limited Run Series, as well as an almost daily podcast that I've been doing with our coordinating producer, Nicole Matthew. We have been hosting this back since quarantine started in March. There's over 100 episodes. I don't think either of us realized exactly how long we'd be inside. I don't think any of us realized how long we'd be inside. We've recapped TV shows. We read a lot of Reddit. We've talked about murder cases that we're excited about. I guess not excited about, but that we're following. And mysteries that have really fascinated us. And so much more. So check that out at patreon.com slash solid listen. Finally, please, please, please grant my Christmas wish of y'all taking time to go to Apple Podcasts or whatever it is you like to do when you talk about podcasts or review them. I know there's all sorts of different sites. And please consider giving us a five-star review, even a four-star review. I'll take it. It helps us chart and expand our Nacho Expert family. And if you already have left a review but really want to help move the needle and get us on those charts, help us get seen a little bit more, consider hitting unsubscribe and then subscribe again so Apple sees that you guys are rejoining us and dedicated to listening. Thank you so much for taking time to hear this long preamble. You are so appreciated for being a listener, and it makes my day to be able to bring this show to you and that you all enjoy it and engage on social media. I seriously love hearing from you guys. It makes my day, whether it be in the DMs, just out and open on Instagram. I really appreciate hearing from you. It means the world to me that not only do you listen, but you take the time to follow up. And... Yeah, you know, I never thought that when I started making a podcast about my favorite TV movies I enjoy and talking about them with my friends that you guys would be here for so long. Five years later, I'm I'm honestly humbled by the reception this show has gotten and how tight our Nacho Expert family is. One of my favorite parts about this whole quarantine experience is having the opportunity to have so many of you on the show and realizing that the bond I like to think we have is really there. It is so much fun to just get on the phone with some listener I've never met or talked to before and quickly realize that it it feels like catching up with an old friend. I think that that's an amazing thing that we all have together and it's a really rare thing. I think the show attracts good people And I'm just so proud of it. There's no negativity. It's all good vibes. It's all love for the films. And I can't thank you enough. Again, that Google form is in the description of the show. Please let us know what you're thinking. Help us make the show better for you. And now let's hear our episode. Welcome back to another episode of Mother May I Sleep a Podcast. Today we are doing a Dwayne Pool joint. It feels right to end the year on a high note with a Dwayne Pool movie. Our guest today is Caroline Akers. We're doing Midwest Obsession. Caroline, hi. Hi, Malls. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so pumped we're doing this because this oh. is like a big Dwayne Pool movie that I've known about 
I mean, really, since the pool took over in my life. <laughs> I I did a little research on the movies that he has done, and he he has quite uh, quite a little collection. A lot of holiday movies. He, um, I think he did a great job. <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind of jealous of his career. I think he's like the ultimate, to be honest. And yeah, there was some TV on there. He did, he's done a lot. He did um, a movie with Johnny Depp. That was one yeah. thing. I mean, I have to say, one of the main reasons why I fuck with Poole so hard <laughs> is that he listened to an episode where I think I was like really mean. and Because <laughs> I just hated the movie. And right. he was, I think I speculated a lot about him. And he listened to it and he was so cool about it. And oh now goodness. we follow each other on Twitter. I reached out to him yesterday and said, hey, pool. I did it publicly. I said, we're doing Midwest Obsession. I'm super excited. Um, yes. This is a double title movie. Beauty's mm-hmm. Revenge was the other name. Mm-hmm. I like Midwest Obsession. I think I prefer that one. Me too. It's a 1995 movie with Courtney Thorne Smith, Kyle Seeker. Stephen Fanning, and of course, Tracy Gold is in this Tracy movie. Gold. Yes. I love her. Her curly, beautiful hair. Totally. And we were going to do another Tracy Gold movie, um, Stolen Innocence, but it expired. And my guest had to like reschedule. So I was like, fuck, we might not get any Tracy Gold, but we managed to anyway. Be a shame. <laughs> so the storyline i guess rather the tagline for this is so pretty is so popular so dangerous no one ever suspected her dark deadly plan um this movie is based on a true story mm-hmm. it's kind of difficult to find information about this case i was yeah. i did like a fair amount of digging i wouldn't say like i went into the reddit of it all yeah but- no, i didn't get there Here's an article from the LA Times on August 25th, 1990. It says a former dairy princess was sentenced Friday to life in prison without possibility of parole until 2003 for strangling a former homecoming queen in a jealous rage over a farmer whom both women loved. Lori Esker, 21, was convicted in June of first degree intentional homicide for September 1989 slaying of Lisa Sahaski, would you say? Yeah, that's that's how I pronounced it, or I thought it was pronounced. I didn't really. Wisconsin, Wisconsin is just a whole area of the country that I know nothing about pronunciation. Yeah, they have no shortage of difficult last names in Wisconsin. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Um. <laughs> But yeah, she was strangled with a belt in a car outside of a Wausau area motel. Marathon Mm -hmm. County Circuit Judge Michael Hoover, after six hours of testimony and arguments from attorneys, decided not to set a parole eligibility date for Esker. So the former Marathon County Dairy Princess automatically becomes eligible for release after 13 years and four months in prison. I've never even heard of that before, like just not setting a, a date for parole. That's interesting. Yeah, I wonder really what that was about. It's, you know, it's interesting, too, because I feel like we talk about murder very differently now, Um, Mm -hmm. whereas like they keep driving home that it's the first degree intentional killing. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, isn't that what first degree is? Right. Because second degree is what is manslaughter, right? Which is. Yeah, that's like second degree is like when it's not 
pre-planned. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so yeah. I'm sorry, then- did you get the name of the town that it was called Rib Mountain? No, no. <laughs> like R I B, like Rib Mountain. <laughs> that was nuts. <laughs> um, so let's go into this newer news, which is that she was released. Mm-hmm. In 2019. Um, not that long ago. Yeah. And I kind of find it unbelievable that Same. based off of how cruel these murders were, not that there's ever like a nice murder, right, really, right. but this seemed so honestly, it speaks to someone's mindset when you're killing a, another 21 year old girl over a farmer. And I mean, <laughs> when you find yourself in that, you know, situation, it was, it's so weird too, because it's, you know, they always talk about, I feel like in murder trials, how, strangling is like such a personal crime because you it a it takes so long I don't remember the exact amount of time but you're there with that person and you have to be like on top of them or you know she did it with a belt and it's like it's very personal and like a decision that she had to follow through and then she she went and she put the belt in her which I her dorms incinerator is something that I read and I hated the fact that a dorm back then would have an incinerator that students could just access. I thought that was absolutely crazy, but it's, it's so weird because she, you know, she did this super personal crime and then disposed of the murder weapon. And, you know, she just 29 years later gets parole. And I can only assume that's just because, you know, she's a white woman and gets, you know, our justice system is very subjective. Um, depending on your crime and your race and everything. And it's just, it's, it made me sad, honestly, to hear that, you know, someone who, who murdered someone can get off so much easier than people who are in jail for seemingly like minor crimes. It's, it's absolutely crazy. It is crazy. And, you know, yeah, this like young girl's life was lost. And Mm -hmm. of course they add in some extra twists and turns and drama in this movie. Um, Mm -hmm. That makes it, I you know, even more shocking um, yeah. and, and difficult to believe that this person would get off. But you're right. It is such a intense decision to decide to strangle someone yeah. like what, you know, murder with a gun. You know, it's difficult to turn back from that. Right. right. But right. strangling, that's like a good 30 seconds to a minute. Yeah, there's a lot of time there to kind of rethink what you're doing and and back off. (laughs) For sure. Um, So, you know, this movie is I I can imagine that this movie was sort of a big movie of the week type movie when it came out. It's pretty high budget. Um, There's, you know, some kind of absurd concepts in this movie that are very like, you know, regional. There's so many cultures within our own 50 states. Oh my goodness, and I know. There was a lot in this that I was completely unfamiliar to me. Um, but Same. yeah, I I should say, you know, this is a 6.1 star on IMDb. I thought it was better than that. Um, yeah. but let's just get right into it. So let's do it. We open up on the, you know, sort of title card that says, while this production is inspired by a true story, some plot elements have been fictionalized, names and locations have been changed, and certain events and characters have been altered for dramatic purposes. Mm -hmm. So we start outside of 
Pat's rent a car and it's a rainy <laughs> night. And we yes. see Beth is leaving. That's Tracy Gold's character. Beth is leaving work early for the night and her coworker Tracy is covering for her. Mm-hmm. And she asks her if she's going to be okay there alone that night. And she's like, nope, I'm going to be fine. Get out of here. So we see, it seems like a man is watching her from his car. Mm-hmm. And Beth can sense that someone is out there and she calls out. When she gets in her car, someone opens the passenger seat door and attacks her. Yeah. And then Tracy, inside of Pat's rent-a-car, gets a call asking if she's seen Beth. And she says that she left a couple hours ago, but she'll let she'll let them know if she hears from her. But she mm-hmm. decides, I'm going to look into this. So she heads outside and sees Beth's car still in front. And when she opens the door, she screams and calls for help. It's very obviously a dead body in there. Yes. So then we see a sheriff's car pull up to a small house. It's nighttime. The sheriff is there to talk to a guy named Kevin Reese. And he says that there's been some trouble and he needs um, him to answer some questions. Kevin looks very concerned by this. So we flash back to two months earlier (laughs) and we see that. I mean, first of all, the timeline in this movie is insane. Yeah. Two months. Two months. And. I think we should also maybe address throughout this movie. I think it's fair, but in general, like these characters look like they're probably 30. I, I wrote this down in my notes at least three times. How old are these fucking people? Like, am I supposed to think that they're 17 or that they're 40? I genuinely could not tell at any point. I think finally they make some reference to like, just graduating or going to college or something. And I was like, oh, okay, I get they're like 19 or something. But for a really long time, I had no idea how old these people were supposed to be. And maybe that's country life to an extent. Like yeah. if you are in Kevin's position and you're not going to college, like right. you like, might you know you be, have this farm to take care of. Yeah, you might be living a more mature life. But I would mm-hmm. say that it makes uh, Cheryl's character stand out even more because mm-hmm. she's so youthful and doesn't seem to have a job, but still it's Courtney Thorne Smith. Like she looks <laughs> like an adult woman. Yeah. <laughs> she looks so, and I felt like they were trying to like infantilize her or however you say that word when they, with all the like sundresses and weird juvenile outfit choices. Um, well, just, she is a beauty queen. That is true. <laughs> that is very true. So, you know, it's a very scenic area we see. It's like a beautiful little farmhouse with this overgrown lawn. And we hear the cows are mooing. And we see a blue convertible is pulled up to a little bridge that goes Mm -hmm. over a river. And a young couple is talking on the bank of the river. It's beautiful, grassy green. I mean, honestly, I have to be real. Like for someone who does not really want to be in nature like all that, like (laughs) this is gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It's it's beautiful it's very green and very vibrant like it was really pretty so let's play this initial scene where we're going to get to know a little bit about cheryl and also you know what kind of gal she is what she takes and what she doesn't let's play 325 to 520 cheryl you're the most beautiful girl i've ever seen for sure the most beautiful girl in the state you really think so well sure i do everybody thinks so I didn't used to be pretty. I was always more into sports. Some trophies are more important than boys. So what changed? When a dream comes true, I look for new dreams. 
It's just the kind of girl I am. Hey, you always this forward on a first date? It's just the kind of guy I am. <laughs> Tell me more. Tell me what you want to do with your life, you know? Where you want to live, how many kids you want. Okay, that's enough. Come Jimmy. on, Cheryl, just relax. Jimmy. Jimmy, stop ah! it! Well, come on, Cheryl, I was only having fun. Anyway, you can't go in without me. I got the keys. A what? Thank you very much. Damn it, Cheryl, are you crazy? What'd you do that for? Damn it, Cheryl, you go fish those keys up. Make me. Hey. You let go! Hey! What do you think you're doing? Get huh? over here. Up, man. If I ever see you touch her again, you'll answer to me. You got it? Yeah, that's cool. Just, just calm down. Right? I'd have to apologize to the lady. Hey. I'm sorry. Okay? Get out of here. All right. So that's, you know, sort of the setup, I guess. I mean, she's definitely, I mean, the most beautiful girl in the state, which is a very practical compliment. Yeah, a <laughs> very practical compliment. It is. And she's, you know, she's clearly looking for something serious. She's ready to get married. It was pretty wild. She was like asking him all these deep questions. And this guy is like clearly not, um, not interested in that, which I feel like is something that you established before this point. But um, yeah, and she's quite <laughs> taken by how chivalrous it is that this guy Kevin pulls up. And like you would think that they know each other based off of how this happens like they might have some bad like a history of some type um maybe even that he's like an older brother figure to her um but i guess he's just a complete stranger i feel like we should also just pause for a moment and talk about her outfit in this scene was about to interject (laughs) um she is wearing, I wrote uh, just so many details. She's wearing a denim jacket and a denim bucket hat. So do you remember the hat from It Takes Two? I don't remember which one of them is wearing it, but it's the little flipped up hat that's like flipped up in the front and like stapled. And then it has like a fake sunflower on it. Yeah, I think of it as like a blossom hat. That's exactly what it is. Yes, a blossom hat. Um, Well, hers is denim and it's got a giant fake purple sunflower on it. And then she has a little sundress on. But she basically looks like she's supposed to be 12 years old. Yeah, and she has a nice denim jacket on top. I mean, let's be real. This is honestly, I think, what a bougie girl would have worn back then. Like, I, I feel like she's that girl that for some reason their parents, like, put all of their money into their elementary school wardrobe. I mean, pageant. And they just always showed out. Yeah, that's how that's how I thought I was never allowed to dress like this. And it always made me so sad. Like I wanted all of these accessories and I just uh, instead I was like just such a boring little dresser. And she had her jacket and her little denim hat on. And I just thought she was like I would have thought that she was just the coolest thing. 
She's trendy. She's the dairy princess. I mean, she has a look to upkeep. And by the way, so dairy princess, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. is like, it's in a league of its own, I think, in terms of a title, but it's not to be mocked. I mean, they give you Absolutely. a car. Reverence. It's it's something in this town that is treated with with great reverence. I, um, I'm from Mississippi and am very familiar with this type of culture in Alabama. I know there's one called like the watermelon princess and there's a lot or watermelon queen. And then there's like sweet potato queen. I did. I want to say it's after like the local, whatever local produce or crop is the most famous because it, you know, dairy princess, their, their whole town seems to be very deep, deeply embroiled in dairy culture. And well, Wisconsin's known for its cheese. Oh yeah. I think it's like a, a sort of a local cheerleading around their biggest industry, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Where it's yeah. like, how do we create fanfare and excitement around something as boring as how many watermelons we can grow? Yeah. Yeah. And we'll see later, you know, how she's involved in the community kind of thing. But it is totally. a, it is a, a very um, a, a cherished thing for someone to, to be the dairy princess or the dairy queen. Now- why do I call it a dairy princess? The dairy... <laughs> the dairy- queen no she's the dairy princess dairy princess okay i kept referring to her as dairy queen in my notes for obvious i know why i know why it's because your mind just goes there right (laughs) but basically like it it does seem strange to me that she and kevin don't know each other it's it's supposed to be a small town like yeah and she also knows his girlfriend Mm -hmm. yeah so it's, it's it's a little unclear. It is unclear. And it's because she they, you know, reference that they went to high school together later. And it's like if this town is as small as we're we're being told or like we're being led to perceive how small it is, then it should it should be that they know each other on a more than like a first name basis, too. Like I've that just seemed so crazy to me that the, he just pulls up on the side of the road and it's like, here's this you know, knight in shining armor that I've never seen before. I just, that was such a strange, um, a strange and a little bit unbelievable aspect of the story. So he's driving her home and she's obviously smitten with him right away. Mm-hmm. And her she says the language looks- is facing fully towards him. <laughs> totally. And he's like, you look kind of familiar. And she's like, yeah, I'm the dairy princess. <laughs> she introduces herself and he asked her if she won a gymnastics medal a few year, years back. And she was like, yeah, I did actually. I used to be a tomboy, but I mean, I guess look at me now, right? Mm-hmm. And um, she asks him what he's doing with a bucket milker. Does he have a sick cow? And he's like, how do you know about that? And it turns out the dairy princess has a herd of her own on her dad's land. Mm-hmm. And he can't believe that someone this pretty has cows. And I'm like, Sir, she's the dairy princess. What did you expect? Nothing less, right? No. So he says that he owns a dairy farm. Well, technically, the bank owns a dairy farm. He got a second garage job so he can buy back the land from the people who bought it from his family. And she says that she wants the same thing for herself. That's her dream. So when we get to Cheryl's house... He leans in and they share a long, passionate kiss. But no, it's just a daydream. Mm-hmm. Cheryl completely spaced out in the car, which we know by now is the hallmark of a crazy person. Yes. Yes. They never they never do that in Lifetime unless the person winds up being absolutely nuts. No, that's that's to establish very quickly and very 
easily that this person is not to be trusted with, you know, what we're seeing from them. So she says that she'd like to treat him to dinner in a movie sometime to thank him for his chivalry. And he's like, oh, I don't think my girlfriend would like that. So then at that moment, Cheryl's dad comes out to get the paper and he's like, who's that guy? And she's like, well, that's the man I'm going to (laughs) marry. So one thing that sucks about a town like this and God, I, you know, it comes up so many times. I wrote in my notes so many times about how much living in a town like this must suck is that the local bar is just the bar. Like there's no other bar. Like if you want to drink in this town, you have to go to that bar. Yes. Uh, there's, there was no other scenes where they were anywhere else. And, um, you know, he, we see that Beth, the girl from the rent a car place at the beginning, is playing pool with a guy friend of hers waiting on Kevin to show up. And Cheryl, coincidentally, is there as well, drinking at the bar with a girlfriend. And she's telling her all about this Prince Charming named Kevin she met that day. Mm-hmm. And her friend's like, oh, well, it's too bad he's taken. And Cheryl's like, well, he's not married. So who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> and just then, Kevin walks in and he sneaks up behind Beth. And the two of them are right away. You can tell they are such a cute couple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're totally in sync. Like, I totally believed the two of them together. I almost wondered if they were dating in real life because they seem to just have an ease that is difficult to get going on the set of a movie of the week, kind of. Absolutely. They had really good chemistry. And so, you know, Kevin grabs a pool stick and when he turns around, Cheryl is there and she's like, can I join the game? And he's like, yeah, it's a free bar last time I checked, which is basically a... I can't control whether or not you write your name on this chalkboard. Right. Like, yeah, sure thing. You know, it wasn't enthusiastic by any means. And also, you know, Cheryl is dressed up like Lisa Turtle. She has (laughs) on a like little frilly dress and a denim jacket. And Beth is more of like a, you know, casual sweater and turtleneck girl. Mm -hmm. I wrote, she's wearing a cow print bustier. That's right. Like. Under a plaid shirt. And her earrings had cows on them. Yeah. So she introduces, he introduces her to Beth. And she's like, oh, yeah, we've met before. And Beth is like, oh, I don't remember that. And Cheryl's like, it's okay. It's a while back. So whatever that means, right? Right. Um, And Cheryl's talking to their other friend, Larry, that was playing with Beth before Kevin got there. And he says that he's known Kevin for a real long time. So... Kevin and Beth are like tearing up this pool game. (laughs) Kevin wins. He wants a victory kiss. And at this point, Cheryl gets up and crosses out Beth's name, which is symbolic. But I couldn't take in the symbolism because this movie wrecked my brain. Like they decided to include almost like the worst chalkboard sound you could possibly have. It's like the sound that like, your teacher apologizes for making after they write it on the board. Like it's so bad. And they decided to turn it up. And I don't know if there was some symbolism there, but like it made me grind my teeth. I mean, I think it was supposed to symbolize like this super uncomfortable, loud, scary, jarring noise while she's Xing out Beth's name. Um, There's definitely a better way to go about it (laughs) than like harming your your listeners or watchers eardrums. But it, 
I think it was supposed to be like, ooh, look what she's up to. Like, <laughs> this is a really scary sound. And she's like doing this to Beth's name. <laughs> so even though it's clear, I mean, clearly, like the way that they're interacting is so awkward and so like bizarrely aggressive on the Dairy Princess's side. It's just, um, it was just like an extra dramatic effect, I think, to show that like some shit's going to go down with Beth. It's unsettling. Like, yes. prepare to be unsettled. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, they start to play. It's a pretty competitive game and Cheryl wins right away. I mean, we can't Mm -hmm. forget she's athletic, right? So (laughs) Kevin shakes her hand and then we see, um, Beth is in the bathroom fixing her lipstick Mm -hmm. as a woman does at the bar. And Cheryl comes out of one of the stalls. She's going to have another fantasy in this scene. So when you hear some gargling noises, just be prepared for that. This is a great scene. 11.52 to 13.04. You really don't remember me, do you? Should I? We went to school together. I was a cheerleader. Oh, right. Wasn't that the year that I was class president? Still shaking your pom-poms, I see. Those who got them, shake them. So, how long have you and Kevin been an item? About two years. Still not engaged. I'm sure, it's nothing personal. I was away most of last year at a technical school, a travel industry thing. Kevin's not much for travel, is he? More the settling down type. And how would you know? I have great instincts. I'm a people person. <laughs> My instincts tell me that Larry's more your type. You bitch. <laughs> Isn't that always the way? He's the one who's interested in me, and yet he's not the one I'm interested in. That is a great eyeliner. The same color my grandma wears. All right. Yeah. Passive aggressive. Um, It's one of those things that make you so uncomfortable while you're watching. It's like the line where she says, like, he's not the one I'm interested in. It's like, oh, my God, she just said she's interested in your boyfriend. It's just such a, like terribly uncomfortable thing to witness as a viewer and you would think that larry's like bad based off of the fact that yeah she cheryl uh decides to have a little fantasy of drowning beth in the bathroom sink but you know larry's larry's cute and i think what the implication is there on beth's side is that you know she probably would do better with a guy that's just country and is willing to be country Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, let's call this what it is. It's like, these are, these are two girls who were popular at their school for very different reasons and probably both n- knew of each other, but never really interacted. Right. It's, you kind of get, you get, you get the idea that Beth is, you know, the really smart girl, probably in the nineties would be called like a smart nerdy girl. And then, um, Cheryl is like the popular ditzy cheerleader kind of stereotype. And I do believe that Beth does not remember her from high school at first because I feel like Cheryl is that person. You know, those people that like you've moved on from high school. So like you're not really like in the loop or really remember everything or feel away about people. But then sometimes you see that person from your high school who hasn't moved on really like they never left town and 
mm-hmm. everything that happened 20 years ago is like a fresh memory for them. It's like very much still in the zeitgeist, like they're daily interaction kind of thing yeah that's cheryl just seemed very 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 kind of stuck a little bit like stunted in high school and beth seems to have have some big plans that cheryl doesn't really have for herself totally i believe she went to technical college and forgot all about the cheerleaders 100 <laughs> percent. so kevin and beth have this really cute moment outside where they're like dancing around in the headlights of the trucks and just sort of you know like a little buzzed having fun and he asked her if she has something on her mind uh he and she wants to know when he met cheryl and he says that he gave her a ride and helped her out of a bad situation does she not trust him or something and she's like no of course i do i just want you know i know you want a life in town and you want a farm and a family to run it and he says and 2.5 kids that's the american dream that's my dream anyway you know it's not so much to ask, is it? Why don't you come here and dance with me, baby? So the two of them are, you know, swinging around and dancing. They're a perfect couple. They really are really cute together. Yeah. Um, and it's a shame. I already felt bad for her at this point in the movie, knowing that this was not going to go in her favor. Agreed. So Cheryl walks to her magenta convertible. And then she decides, you know what? No, I'm going to get into the car next to it. So she pulls the emergency brake up mm-hmm. and kicks this car back into a bush. And it like sinks down into a little bit of a ditch. Do we ever find out what happens with that car? So there's a scene later on. Was it was that supposed to be Beth's car? Because that's not the car that Beth dies in. <laughs> no. Yeah. I don't know whose car that could have been maybe Larry's like I wasn't sure on why she would even do that right well there's that scene like later on when they're when Beth and um Beth and Kevin are in the shop and he's working on a what looks like it's a blue car so I didn't know if that was like an acquaintance's car or I mean it's such a small town I assume like he's working on all the cars so I didn't know if that was just like a coincidence like the blue car from the bar was there but I thought that it was I thought it was supposed to be best car, but then I remembered that her was, she was like in a station wagon type thing. So I don't know. It's maybe just some random unfortunate person's car. Yeah. Just a moment of chaos to like establish that that's, she's impulsive like that. Yeah, She's a wild card. So, um, Kevin is talking to his cows in the barn the next day and Larry's washing his hands. And Kevin says that it seems like he and Cheryl were getting along last night. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, uh, he's like, it seemed like she was nuts about you. The whole bar was talking about it. And he's really like gassing Larry up, even though like no one saw that. and No <laughs> one said that at all. <laughs> it was it was not the talk of the bar. So Cheryl pulls up in her dairy princess convertible and let's like get into it. Let's like, Thank God I was waiting for this. Yeah. It's a fucking unbelievable car. It looks it looks like a like a Barbie car. Like if it's that that very specific bubblegum early 90s pink that like only existed I feel like in like the Barbie or Mattel universe. It's just the I mean I love that color pink. I think it's so soothing because it, it reminds you of your childhood. But it's it's like that very like bright Mattel pink and then it has cow print on the inside, everything on the inside. And it is painted in, in 
blue Dairy Princess. So is this like a sponsored car that the Dairy Princess gets to drive? Yeah. So she says she gets to drive the car for a year. And also it's like a big body, like 1950s. It's a muscle car. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's it's so it looks like a toy car. It's so pretty. Minus the um minus the cow print. Well, maybe with the cow print, I would I would drive this car. So apparently the car is part of the awards package and she yes. gets it for a year. And she gives mm-hmm. Kevin this long blue scarf that she'd knitted herself as a thank you. Yeah. And she puts it on him. It's very seductive the way she put, puts the scarf on him. Oh yeah. Loops it around his neck and like pulls him in. <laughs> And, you know, this has only been like 48 hours, but I do believe that she might have stayed up overnight knitting that scarf. There's not a doubt in my mind that she stayed up overnight knitting that scarf. So he's like, listen, you know, you got me in a lot of trouble over that pool game. And Cheryl's (laughs) like, listen, there's nothing to get upset about. In fact, I was thinking the four of us could do a double date. I have an event at a local burger joint in town. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say that Kevin gave her a lot there by saying that he got into trouble over that pool game, because I wouldn't say that that pool game was particularly seductive or interesting. No, I mean, I feel like he wasn't even paying attention. And now it establishes this this secret between them where it's like this narrative that he's telling her things that. Beth and he talked about in confidence. So I feel like that just that was not a good move in terms of stoking the the kind of obsessive crazy fire that we have here. If I was Beth, I would be more angry about that than anything. Me too. I'd be like, wait, I thought this was very casual. Like you just kind of met this girl on the side of the road, not like you're telling her what we're fighting about. That's pretty personal. Why are you out here having secrets with this right. crazy chick? Right. So we cut to the grand opening of a place called Burger Palace. Burger and Palace. There's sort of like a little guy on the sign, like a little, I'm guessing this is like their local version of like a Burger King or something. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's cute. It's, it's like a 1950s diner. Mm-hmm. So the audience is going on and on. Like, there are just people in the audience going, oh, my God, she's beautiful. <laughs> and um, i over her. She's on the back of the Dairy Princess vehicle, like, full-on pageant, like, parade style. Like, sitting and, like, waving at people with her sash and crown. <laughs> so she declares the establishment is open, and she struggles to cut the ribbon. I don't know why that was in there. Like, that was a thing. <laughs> yeah, it's like these unsharpened scissors. And she, I mean, maybe it's to show that she's athletic or something. Like, it was just weird because, like, it, it felt like it should have meant something, but it, I'm still struggling to find the meaning of that one. Yeah, like, it's almost as if they only had one ribbon and <laughs> they were like, no, you got to make it work. Like, you got to right. cut it on this take. We only have one ribbon. Right. So, inside Burger Palace, the. You know, people are going on and on about how beautiful the Dairy Princess is still. It's like a whole thing. (laughs) Cheryl's signing her autographs and Beth is sitting across from her in the booth. And Beth is definitely giving her a lot, I would Mm -hmm. say. Like, Mm -hmm. she's not bothering to hide that she's not happy to be there, that she's sort of uncomfortable, that she resents her. And once this person walks away with their autograph pad, she goes, they treat me like this all over town. You would think it goes to my head, but it doesn't. <laughs> Clearly, and, something, 
that someone that says something that's definitely not going to their head. <laughs> right. Like, come to my grand opening and like watch me do this. But don't worry, I don't have any ego about it at all. Right. That autograph was no big deal. So she leans into Beth and she's like, listen, I want you to know that you have nothing to worry about when it comes to Kevin. He really likes you. He told me this morning. He mentioned that you were a little bit worried about it. Like maybe I'm some sort of competition or something. A lot of (laughs) girls feel that way around me, but I want you to know that I'm not after him. I mean, I know. Yeah, not okay. So Kevin and Larry get to the table and Kevin is sort of like pushed down into the booth next to Cheryl when some man comes up to take the picture of them. And I would refer to a photo like this as like a semi a semi candid when one person knows that a photo is being taken and the other person is just looks so unfortunate. Yeah, the way she grabbed him was like a (laughs) chokehold. Like she yanked him over and just flashed the biggest smile. And he's just like, what? Like, it was very not consensual. Yeah, it's like, it's, and it's also just, it's already uncomfortable. Like, for some reason, Larry is sitting next to Beth, and she's sitting yeah. next to Kevin, and the optics aren't great. Right. But Beth is at Kevin's farm later on with him when she tells him that she doesn't like Cheryl. And she's mm-hmm. like, what, are you, what was she doing here this morning, and why are you telling her such personal things about me? And she's like, is it true that, you know, Cheryl... You know, Cheryl told me I have nothing to worry about. Is that true? And right. Kevin's like, oh, you're just a little jealous of her. And she's like, no, I'm not. I just want to make sure we're on the same page. And, you know, she, this is where we get into like the is is Kevin sort of short sighted or not. Right. Because she says, right. I feel like you've got our whole future planned out. And I definitely want what you want someday. But I have plans of my own. I want to travel. I want to go to college. And he's like, listen, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this farm. It's my family's farm. Like, where are your priorities? And she starts to get heated because she's like, well, why are your priorities more important? And this is like, I guess, one of the things, right? Like, if you are entangled with a farmer, (laughs) that's kind of your life. So Beth is at Kevin's farm with him. And she tells him that she doesn't like Cheryl, basically, at all. She asked him what he was doing there with her that morning. Like, why is she at his place? Why is he telling her such personal details about them? And she's like, is it true what Cheryl said that I have nothing to worry about? And Kevin smiles. He thinks it's really cute that she's jealous, basically. Mm -hmm. And she insists that she's not, but she wants to make sure that they're on the same page because it does seem like Kevin has their whole future planned out. And she says that for her, you know, she wants to have all the same stuff that she, that he wants, but right now she has plans of her own. She wants to travel someday. She wants to go to college. And, you know, what am I supposed to do with you and your farm, basically? And he's mm-hmm. like, well, my farm is my life. Like, where are your priorities? And it gets kind of heated between them. Like, she's very much, you know, coming from a, a real place, which is like, you know, I have my priorities and my dreams too. Mm -hmm. And this is sort of, I guess, the complication of being with someone who wants to run a farm, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's the least casual profession you can have in some ways. Yeah, absolutely. uh, Honestly, one of the most stressful because it's like if you're, you know, if something goes wrong with if you're growing something and like your crop doesn't yield that year or like, you know, if 
I don't know why your cows wouldn't be milking, but like, you know, something like that. It's, it's actually a super stressful, um, a super stressful profession. And it's not something that you can just pick up and move, you know, to wherever, or really take that, like that many breaks or vacations or anything. Cause you're, um, you're just kind of like tending to things. I feel like 24 seven. Yeah. You can never neglect anything on a farm. No. So, you know, she asked him, do you just want to be with some version of yourself in a dress? And that's like a big thing, right? That's like definitely a line that upsets him. And it's something that keeps coming back up throughout this. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, really mad. He's like, what is this just about Cheryl? Where's all this coming from? You know, I don't really know who I'm talking to right now. I used to be enough for you. Like I used to, you know, basically like we were it baby this was all you know great and he's like listen she's like let's just call it off we all say it's fun while it lasted you know i want more so do you this just isn't gonna work so he throws her her car keys and she goes speeding off and i would say that that escalated really quickly i was i mean this is not in any i mean cheryl might have like like what is it stirred the pot a little bit here but it sounds like these are some pretty um pretty intense issues that they need to work out regardless of whether or not he's getting pursued by the dairy princess it's something that they you know clearly need to talk about because if she is trying to go to school or trying to do anything besides stay in this one very specific town and raise a family then it doesn't sound like that you know that's going to be compatible with what with what kevin wants so i it is something that I feel like Cheryl kind of like brought about, but the way that the reason they break up has nothing to do with Cheryl as a person. No, she was like a catalyst for a conversation that they needed to have, whether they realized it or not. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, these conversations like, you know, we'll see, these can be very like important conversations in terms of clarity. Like sometimes you need to just get it out there that this is what you're sort of giving up in order to be with another person. And there's going to be a lot of resentment. Yeah. Once you address it, you can move forward from there. But where they are right now is like, they're just not in a place to get through it, right? To talk it out. So Mm -hmm. Kevin gets home that night. He's very, you know, exhausted as you would be after a day at the farm. And he walks in the front door And there's a table set for a romantic dinner, candles, wine. He starts calling around for Beth, but let's admit it. We all know this is not a Beth move. No, no. This is Cheryl written all over it. (laughs) And of course it is Cheryl. Yes, she is dressed in, um, you know, a country dress with an apron on. She's got her (laughs) hair up. She looks, you know, she's dressed for him. Mm -hmm. And she says, it's about time you got home. So Let's play this scene that happens right after we come back from commercial 2149 to 2226. I know the kind of hours you've been putting in lately, and I just wanted to make sure you had a good meal tonight. How'd you get in? The door was unlocked. You know, that's really dangerous. Anyone dog could just waltz right in. Cheryl, you know, I'm really not up to any kind of company tonight. Oh, I won't stay. Well, I mean, this is all really very nice of you. No, no, no need to explain. You just sit right down and enjoy it. There's seconds right here, and I put a couple casseroles in the fridge for later in the week. I put little instruction sheets with them under the plastic. If you have any questions, just call. Okay. (laughs) 
So, I mean, I want to make fun of her, right? Because, like, it's just so over the top. I mean, she's put out fully, like, you know, two plates. She's set a table for two. And the second mm-hmm. he says, I'm kind of tired, she's like, don't worry about it. I'll leave. Yeah. Um, Multiple capsules. Y- yeah. No, I know. She, like, fully meal prepped for him. Like, and- she hasn't been in there for for hour like all day it's uncomfortable like (laughs) to think about the grocery shopping that went down like did she bring this dishware there I would never feel confident that a guy would have the tools necessary to create a casserole at home I feel like a farmer has a lot of casserole dishes though like he definitely had like like vintage pyrex like a lot of it so you know I definitely feel like I want to make fun of her for being so accommodating, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But I'll admit it, I can be overly accommodating when I care about someone to the point where I was cringing for Cheryl cuz I was like, "Girl, I get what you're doing here and I know you mean it, but <laughs> you can't live like this." No, I felt so I like felt really bad for her. The second when she was like, "Oh no, I'll leave." I felt like like there was like a place in me that was like felt so bad for this like wounded like puppy almost. I felt so like yeah, embarrassed for her and just that he was like like didn't say like, "No, I want you to stay. Like you cooked this meal." Let, you know, because clearly that's like yeah, like you said there's I mean there's candles that are lit on the table. Like he's not but like the plan was not for him to be eating this alone but it just was so sad that she just immediately was like oh god I'm gonna go I gotta go like but here's all this other stuff and it just like you we get the idea that obviously in relationships or in this relationship but I have a feeling in all of them Cheryl is over the top and caters to to the men in her life and I don't know if Cheryl knows about the breakup yet I kind of forgot like I'll probably have something in my notes in like two seconds that corrects this, but (laughs) there's a big issue in this movie with people not giving relationships breathing room because I feel like, I mean, two months, I feel like in, in not just this situation, but another one coming up, Mm -hmm. I feel like if a few days had gone by, maybe the reaction would be different, but it's Mm -hmm. just a lot. There was zero chill, like just a, unbelievable amount of like zipping yeah from one thing to the next and just giving people no space whatsoever to like process what was happening um it was it was kind of it was hard to keep up with I mean do you think at this point Cheryl knows about the breakup um dude no but I mean but just because they didn't give us any sort of like they didn't give us like an angle where it looks like she's spying through some bushes or like or that she makes a comment about it. But it's also like the the timing seems a little bit too perfect for her to have broken into his house and made the first like overtly romantic gesture. So I don't know. And then Kevin eats his meal and he looks sad about it and it's uncomfortable to watch. I hate yeah. watching sad people eat. It's it's a it's a big big trigger. It's so sad, and I feel sorry for myself when I'm doing it too. 
Oh yeah, no, I know. It's like there's nothing worse than like a like a depression meal. And I don't mean that in a like, oh, I'm depressed, so I'm gonna dig in. I mean it like in a I just am gonna put enough grains of rice in my mouth to like move forward. Right. Like I'm reflecting, I'm sad, this is all really bad. So then we see Kevin at church and Beth arrives, but she sits right across from him in a different pew. She's not joining him at church today. No. The division is clear. And then Cheryl gets there and she's like, oh, is this seat taken? And he's like, yeah, sure. Go for it. And he's like, I didn't know you go here. And she's like, no, I actually don't. I normally go to the Lutheran church on the other side of town, but I felt like a change of pace. And he goes, small world. And she says, small town. Now, this is a Catholic church, which is, I would say, a gigantic change of pace if you're going to Lutheran church. Yeah. I mean, Catholicism is in its own it's an own league. You don't just casually like walk into a Catholic church on a Sunday because you wanted a change of pace. Right. Like I'm going to dabble in Catholicism now. Right. That's not something that just <laughs> that's just not something that ever happens. Like I I like grew up Baptist, like Southern Baptist and like I've never been I've never been to a Catholic um I mean I'm not religious anymore, but I've never been to a Catholic church except for a wedding one time and I was like shook. It was like a brand new experience for me. And I've I feel like I've been to a lot of other what is it denominations, yeah, of of churches just growing up pretty religious. But Catholicism is just, yeah, you don't strut into there on a Sunday morning and <laughs> just wanting to like change things up a little bit. Well, I've never been not Catholic. So I have to know from an outsider's perspective, what was it like going to a Catholic church for you? <laughs> so, so it was a wedding. So it was obviously that's, it's different. It wasn't just a, like a sermon or whatever you would call it. Did I, they do a mass before the wedding? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I was just, I was really surprised by all of the, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Like there was a lot of, uh, not pageantry. That's not the word. Cause that's way more of a demeaning word. Ceremony. Ceremony. Exactly. It was, um, a lot more like, uh, uh you do this, like there were cues, you know, and that's yeah. when, like, that's when you are supposed to do this or when you're supposed to do this. And like, if you're not Catholic, do not fucking take that. Like, don't go up and take, um, what is it called? Communion. Communion. Yeah. And so Baptists, like we had communion once every like six months or something. And you, if you were a Christian, you took the, you took it, you know? And so it was, it was just like a lot of like things I felt like that I needed to like know about or be like told what to do, like when the, you know, when the pre uh, priest did something. So it was just like a lot more, um, yeah, a lot more ceremony about it than just, uh, you know, than anywhere else that really that I've ever been. We do love like a call and response. That's and, big. And I, for sure. I liked it. I loved the structure of it to be, <laughs> to be honest, like coming from, um, coming from just like a, a Baptist environment. It was, I was like, okay, I kind of liked like the formality of this. It felt, um, I don't know. It just felt a little bit more respectful in terms of like what you're actually doing. But, and I mean, and, and of course at this point, when, I, when I went to the wedding, I had already, um, had already, you know, not been going to church for a long time anymore. And so I was just able to like enjoy how pretty things were. And it was just like a beautiful, um, a beautiful chapel. Is that what 
they call uh, <laughs> it depends i think yeah chapel is i think appropriate it depends yeah. There was like this just beautiful like mural kind of painted on the ceiling and it just was so pretty. So the architecture is, I was able to appreciate the architecture. It was just so much prettier because I grew up in like a um, kind of like a righteous gemstones situation where it was oh yeah a lot of like mega, um, mega speakers and super trendy music. And um, I hate, I absolutely hated that even from the time of like a child, which I'm really like proud of. I was like, wow, I had a little bit of taste, even as a little kid, like hating all this crazy stuff. But yeah, it was just so much prettier and so much more formal. And it just felt more like what, I don't know, just felt more like church to me. Were there lasers at your church? Absolutely. There was a celebration on the 4th of July where army men repelled from the ceiling. No way. Yeah. They, uh, like, For could- real? Mm-hmm. Like why a, for Christ? For Christ, everything. Well, obviously, it's all it's all for Christ, Molly. But like the like the army men repelled from the ceiling. We had a um every Easter there was like a big. It was called the Easter celebration, and there were like live animals that they brought in to like do the manger or not the manger, but oh, the Palm Sunday, like when the donkeys come in and stuff. And a donkey fell off the stage one year. <laughs> It was. Oh my God. It was traumatizing. And there was like, yeah, this is why you don't bring live animals into a fucking church. Like, don't, <laughs> just don't do any of this. But it was a bit, yeah, it was a, um, it was definitely a really, um, really modern church. And it was kind of like the first one in our town. And I, cause I grew up like in a sort of a bigger city in terms of like for Mississippi. So it was, um, tons of different churches like nobody you didn't know everyone in town kind of thing and it was the very first super super modern one so everybody called it like six flags over jesus and whew, it was a crazy a crazy time for us for a t- t- terrified shy introverted little caroline <laughs> here's a question about mississippi that i've never gotten to ask anyone i can't wait to hear this do you guys take pride in the fact that like learning how to spell your state's name is like a party <laughs> trick for first graders? Absolutely. That was like that was a a big part of my of my childhood was the singing of the of, you know, Mississippi. <laughs> and it were there was two different versions and I the, the little i like big hump big hump little hump that kind of thing. Is that the one you're talking mm-hmm. about? Big i um, little i. I I, yeah, I kind of just mean that, like, it's always, like, it's, like, the first word that they teach, like, five-year-olds how to spell that's, like, got flair. Because they, because it's, I mean, it's, what, only four letters, but you think it's this really long word, so it, like, gives them this sense of pride when it's really only four letters just repeated. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, that was a big, um, a big sense of pride, yeah, <laughs> for sure. I wish that Massachusetts had figured out some sort of, you know. I'm not even confident that I know how to spell that right now. Same. I mean, like, I am. I know how to spell it. But sometimes I notice other people misspelling it and how long it, like, took me to notice it. Mm -hmm. Because I mispronounce. I mean, it's one of those things. I mispronounce it constantly. So then the way that I pronounce it, I want to say it. And then it's all wrong. And that whole spiral. Um. Yeah, I feel like Jessica Simpson got flack for not knowing how to say it. But if I had to, like, pick a state that might be difficult for her, I would say that's the one. 
yes, a, a fellow Southern girl, I can, uh, <laughs> I can confirm. So, you know, there's this like moment when the priest comes down the aisle at, at the church and mm-hmm. everyone starts singing and Cheryl put like, you know, she puts on a little show by reading from Kevin's songbook instead of mm-hmm. getting her own. Oh, yeah. And this would have really bothered my Nana. Oh, it's, it, it, I mean, it's very, it's very bold. It's like definitely one of the first ways you learn how to flirt in the church. Like if, you know, as a kid, it's like, oh, I just want to look on with you. And it was, it was a bold move of Cheryl to come into a house of God and do that in front of God and Beth and everyone. It was, yes. it, it was a, it was a move power move it's not becoming of the dairy princess to hoe it up at the catholic Mm -hmm. church absolutely not nope and especially on her first appearance (laughs) do you think she won money for being the dairy princess because like she seems to have a lot of like money for someone who doesn't work usually so i mean i feel like usually with pageants you do either win like a scholarship or I mean, a cash prize? Is that like a thing? Or does she get like a monthly stipend for her wardrobe, like to keep up the the look of the Dairy Princess? I don't, I don't know. But I, I also, yeah, she looked, she always had like a brand new outfit on and always looked really cute. So, or well, wow, let me rephrase. She always looked very like trendy. <laughs> so it's, yeah. I felt like there was definitely either like a monthly wardrobe thing or she did get some sort of hefty cash, cash prize. Because if I think about it, like Miss America's, yeah, Miss America's scholarships, right? But I think Miss USA, which is like the Trump one, that that is nothing to do with academics. Yeah, that's like a cash prize, and they give you an apartment in Trump Mm -hmm. Tower, and like that's more of them buying you a lifestyle. I think. Yeah, and I would guess that if this was for like the Dairy Board or something, that Mm -hmm. there would be a cash prize involved. I would hope. I was kind of surprised that there wasn't um, with the dairy, with the reward that she was kind of scrambling like later on. It's just for I don't think it's a spoiler, but like with where to put her like cattle, I felt like that it was like, oh, maybe dairy princess, like you get to put your cattle on this like really bougie land. <laughs> but at it, <laughs> I think that was just um, something that I thought about. <laughs> How do you qualify to be the dairy princess, I wonder? That's what I was, do you have to have a, like, do you have to be working in the dairy field or is it truly just namesake and she just happened to have this passion for dairy? Because she's like, like she has a, she has cattle, she has, every outfit is cow themed, like her life is dairy farming. So I didn't know if it was specific to her that, that just happened to be her life and that she entered the pageant maybe on you know with that like wanting to just have this title or if you as a prerequisite have to be obsessed and you know part of the dairy world to be dairy princess I I guess we'll never know it probably doesn't hurt no I think it probably helped her yeah um but yeah so Kevin checks the mail and Larry notices that there's a hot pink envelope in the mix. And right away, I mean, we know who it's from. Absolutely. And Larry says that now that Kevin's single, it's pretty obvious that she has the hots for him. And he goes, I wish she'd look at me that way. And mm-hmm. I agree, Larry. I also wish that. Same. Agreed. This all could have been avoided had she simply looked at Larry. <laughs> so Kevin's like, you know, 
what do I do with this? And Larry says she's gorgeous. She cooks like Betty Crocker. She has the title of Dairy Princess. I mean, are you crazy? What else can a man possibly want? Right. Like, you know, around these parts, it does seem like a 10 out of 10. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Kevin says that he loves Beth. He's in love with Beth and that's never going to change. And then the Dairy Princess comes around in her car Again, I cannot stress how amazing this car is. Every time I see it, I feel like I'm seeing like a celebrity. Same. Like if I'm begging, if anyone listening to this right now, if you don't do, if you do nothing else today, please just Google the Dairy Princess car and it'll probably pop up. Yeah. I'll try and make sure it's on my Instagram at the very least. So yes, yes, yes. Kevin tells her that he got her card and she thought it would cheer him up. She says that her engine is missing. What? It's still under the hood, but it's missing. Can he look at it? I forgot that that's what she said, which is just, I mean, does that, str- did that like, is that as bizarre to you as it is to me? Like, like my engine is missing? It sounds fake. Like, it sounds like something you would say just because you want someone to look at your car and you're not trying to like hide that that's what you're doing. Right. It's like to me, like that's the equivalent to me of being like, my steering wheel's missing. Like, but there is something wrong with her car. So it's like, is she just trying to phrase it like a bimbo? Like, it's unclear, but we don't, we don't have to know all of her mysterious ways. Yeah. You know, (laughs) (laughs) so she gets out of her car and shrugs off her jacket. She's clearly trying to get him to take notice of her, you know, Mm -hmm. beautiful. Absolutely. So he's like, listen, you know, why don't you uh, leave the car here? I can bring it by your house later on. As long as um, you give me a ride back, though, because Larry has my truck today. She goes, it sounds like fate. And uh, she puts on quite a show as she walks off. And of course, he can't help but look. The idea that these people live where they live and that they can also reasonably walk home is crazy. And that, again, recalling back to the first scene where we're supposed to think that they don't already know each other in a town where they can walk to and fro. Exactly. Like it, de- it definitely seems like one of those places where it would be at least a three hour walk home. Yeah. If there's so much like farming land, then it has to be at, like, there's no way that all these farms can fit in this town and still be a walkable town. But maybe, you know, it was a three-hour walk home, and that's just how desperate she is. It doesn't seem like she has much else going on. (laughs) So Beth is at home getting dressed in her uniform for the car rental place, and her mom watches her in the mirror, and her mom's like, you look so beautiful. And Beth says, yeah, she really wants to make a good impression because there's a manager position opening up in Cleveland. And her mom's like, Cleveland? What about Kevin? And she's like, no, we want different things. And her mom's obviously like very surprised by this because they're such a great couple. And truly, I agree with her. I would be if I was that mom, I would be thrilled about her and Kevin. Yeah, you get to like you get a son-in-law who's, you know, has a big farm in town. You get to keep your daughter at home and, you know, like supposedly some grandchildren around, too. I mean, she's she has a lot to lose with with Beth possibly moving to Cleveland. And he's a good guy. He seems solid. He loves her by all accounts. So yeah. um, 
Yeah, Beth takes off for work. She's like clearly in a headspace where I would describe her as obviously deep down brokenhearted, but actively Mm -hmm. trying to move on. Yeah, exactly. So Kevin pulls up to the Dairy Princess's house and, um, you know, you can just tell that she's been sitting by this door because she comes out right away and she's waving to him. She invites him up inside. Let's play 2644 to 2727. Come meet my dad. Daddy, this is Kevin Reese. Hello, sir. Some problem with the car? Yes, sir. The uh, carburetor's out of adjustment. Really don't know how it got to be that way. So, uh, how long have you and Cheryl been dating? Dating? Oh, uh, no, sir. No, no, Daddy. Kevin's a friend. Ah, well, it's hard for me to keep up with my daughter sometimes. Uh, Kevin, um, I want to show you my room before we go. Okay, well, uh, good to meet you, sir. I promise I'll keep the door open, Daddy. Okay, this is that is the weirdest scene in this whole movie. It felt it felt weird. Like as I was watching it and trying to figure out all of the like every single thing that's going on here from every direction, it was it was so awkward and so crazy. Her dad seems like he's drugged. He seems like he's been um just put under. Like he's so like dazed and out of it and it's just like disconnected like his eyes are just so empty this actor's like it scared me (laughs) so like this is I don't know if this is like too specific but I feel like a lot of the girls I've known that are like pretty and obviously like run the show and you know maybe have a mom that's like either not really around or is sort of also submissive to the daughter their dads are always weird Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the whole, I mean, it's such a, there's a reason it's like, I, and I hate the term, like when people are like daddy issues, like, you know, that's, it's like, okay, no, like you're your own person and you can also have your own issues. But it is like a lot of the times there is just this weird dynamic happening and there's obviously some shit that has gone down like in their relationship where it's just not, it's so like formal, but not like it it just kind of seems like he has no idea what's going on with her i mean obviously he's like so you're cheryl's boyfriend and then he's like i can't keep up with her like it just seems like he's very not you know he seems like a reluctant character like in the play of her life that like maybe Mm -hmm. he's just like funding the whole thing and he doesn't have a choice like that's definitely like he just seems kind of checked out now did you also think that he was calling her a slut yeah, when she when he was like, "Are you?" So I can't keep up. It's like you can't keep up with all the boys she brings home, or you can't. Like I felt like that was open to some interpretation, and yeah, that's kind of that's how I took it too. Was like that he's he's not involved, but like the what he sees is a lot of like he's like, "Oh, she was with this boy and this boy and this boy." And it's like, okay, dad, <laughs> like. And then it's worth noting as well that these men are definitely having a conversation without having a conversation the whole time. Like, yeah, Kevin Kevin looks to him and is like, I don't know how that would happen with the car. And the dad looks back at him like, well, you know, she's fucking crazy, right? Exactly. That 
the look in his eyes <laughs> when Kevin said, like, I don't know how that happened. Like, and the dad looks at him like, you fucking know how that happened. And get out. Yeah. Like, yeah. it It was some unspoken warnings happening there. And then that weird moment where this, like, adult-ass woman <laughs> tells her to- father, don't worry, we'll keep the door <laughs> open. It's like, lady, no one asked. What the like, fuck? No- yeah that's also it it was that felt so juvenile too and like a thing where it's like she clearly is like she's living in this world that nobody else is living in where she's still 16 and you know asking dad for permission to have boys over and having to leave the door open and like that was just that was so crazy and inappropriate just was because it's like obviously like you're not going to go like bang this guy in the middle of the day while dad's home, like with your door open. <laughs> like that's not what anyone's assuming that it just, and it just was something that didn't need to be said, but you know, was said to show us that kind of this weird dynamic that happens where she's still pretty stunted, I think. And like, you know, the thing here is that again, it's strange because this is like an adult woman saying to this guy that comes over do you want to see my bedroom which is like something a child does like I've never had like an adult uh, an adult man in my home as an adult woman and been like oh you want to come check out my room like see all my stuffed animals (laughs) like Like, it's like no yeah there's no there's never that moment of being like the room is presented as this thing that's because you know it as a kid it's like that's your space that's like where all of your stuff is where your posters are where all your toys are like you're like yeah come see my room and it was you know that's a thing but as an adult that's just so I just cannot imagine a situation yeah where that's where that's what you say to another adult (laughs) especially with like you know with your dad's I don't know it's just the whole thing was just so so weird but then especially when we get to the room um (laughs) So there's a moment when they're walking up the stairs and she explains that her mom passed away when she was a kid. So her dad is really protective of her now. No one is good enough for his baby girl. And it's already starting to get a little bit like, oh, well, no one asked. You know what I mean? Like, no one's there for your baby girl. So don't worry about it. But then he brings her into the room. And like the fact that she wants to show him this space, let alone like, I mean, she's the space. She's not ashamed of the fact that she lives in a teenager's bedroom. Like there's so much like, you know, magazine clippings and awards and ribbons. And like Mm -hmm. you see a lot of stuff in there that's like the kind of junk that when you're like 15, you're like, oh, I'm going to hold on to this. And then like you come back from college and you're like 18, 19 and you're in your room and you're like, why did I think I needed to hold on to that Six Flags lanyard? Like it's just like (laughs) she has like crap like that around her room where it's like, oh, my God, this is like strip it down, girl. Like, you know, you're not 16 anymore. So, you know, he doesn't really know what to do with this space. And he picks up this like stuffed cow and he's like, moo, you know, he's like doing a bit because I mean, he literally is not a child's room right now. Yeah, this it would be such an uncomfortable situation. And I feel like he he didn't want to be I mean, she he didn't even want to be inside this house. Like he's he's now on, you know, like level two of something that he didn't want to do, which like step one was coming through the door. And then now all of a sudden he's in her extremely 
alarming bedroom and he's just like on so uncomfortable like he just all he wants to do is just get out and he you know reaches for something familiar the cow oprah would have warned him you know don't go to the second location (laughs) exactly (laughs) exactly so she tells him that cows are her life (laughs) cows are my life like like, we fucking know cheryl (laughs) like we (laughs) know (laughs) but like she really means it like you know what i mean like i love everyone knows i love turtles right but like can you imagine if i was like earnestly like turtles are my life (laughs) (laughs) to a romantic partner yeah like just something to know about me is that cows are my life. Like, so she goes, we can go by my herd on the way home if you want. And he's like, yeah, I'd like to see that. I'd like to see anything you want to show me. And then the two of them start making out. They get naked. They're rolling around on the bed. This man is just about to start going down on her when she snaps <laughs> out of it. And she's like, wait, what'd you say? And he's like, I would like to go by your herd on the way home. Oh my God. I was like, so there was a, when this whole thing started, cause at first I thought it was the first time I watched it, I was like, Oh my God, like they're like, I guess he really isn't that uncomfortable and like, they're going to hook up. But then the second time I watched it, I, <laughs> I like heard with the most clarity that I've ever heard anything like a insane lightning bolt that introduced that this was a fantasy but and it was like it was just such a bizarre sound it was so clear that it just was this lightning bolt and then it was them like rolling around in the bed and i you know with the with the drain noise from the first one i think there's that's like how we're getting into these is with these like really like um really loud audio clips of just like boom this is a fantasy and this one's a lightning bolt it was um it was a choice I mean, it says a lot about Cheryl that she would think that this guy wants to see her room. It says Mm -hmm. a lot about her that she has these sort of fantasies that interrupt reality to the extent they do. But it says everything about her that she is having a fantasy about this guy and her having fairly like graphic sex with her childhood bedroom door open with her dad downstairs (laughs) yes it's all all of the above and she's like all like she was all of a sudden in this like crazy like satin like lingerie and then we out was like violently rolling around the bed with this guy immediately and it was just yeah it was a lot into like you said i i do want to like point that out it's not only is she having these crazy fantasies but people have to interrupt her and be like, Cheryl, Cheryl to like bring her back into reality when she, when she does this. So it's like, she's, she's really thinking about this and kind of having that, I assume like a dazed look on her face and going into this place in her mind, like in the middle of a conversation. After, after they leave the house, uh, Cheryl changed into jeans and a flannel and they're in the field Mm -hmm. checking out her herd. And Kevin tells her a little bit more about how he got so into cows. Let's play 2852 to 2935. And this is truly the end of this scene is so weird. Let's play this. And I was uh, barely six years old when I helped pull a newborn calf from inside its mama. (sighs) Yeah, felt like God, you know. God at six years old. <laughs> <laughs> Dairy farming, that's all I've ever known. It's what makes me happy. Yeah, I know. Most people don't understand how we feel about it. How deep that feeling goes. Yeah, yeah. 
See, I, I want to buy my land back from the bank. I want to settle down on it. And I want to make it a success. Well, get what you work for. If you work hard enough for anything, you get it. It's the principle this country was built on. This episode is sponsored by Factor. Okay, here's what I love about Factor meals. They make eating better easy. They're fresh, never frozen. They take two minutes in the microwave. You get to pick what meals you're going to eat. Over 35 different recipes are available to you to choose from. Their delicious recipes are chef-crafted and nutritionist-approved. They are very filling. Like, not too much, but they're perfectly filling. I had the keto meal last week. I've been doing the keto meals basically. And there was one day in particular that I just remember going to bed and being like, I'm actually full. Like I ate hours ago and I'm actually full. Normally I need a little snack snack. You know, I get up to the chocolate after dark but I was totally full, completely satisfied, and my meal was delicious. You can also do calorie smart meals, vegan or veggie, and protein plus. There's also other stuff you can try as well. You can get as much or as little as you want and reschedule or pause at any time. Personally, I get six meals. You can go up to 18. That's what my boyfriend does. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash mothermayi50 and use code mothermayi50 to get 50% off. That's code mothermayi5050 at factormeals.com slash mothermayi50 to get 50% off. Hi, I'm Madigan from Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal feminist perspective. Check out new episodes Mondays and Fridays for a wide variety of topics and news episodes. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Rage on. So we go to commercial on that's the principle this country was <laughs> like, built on. Okay, Ronald Reagan. They're trying to make a, a really um a statement about farming, I think, here. <laughs> like Yeah, I mean, I guess it it kind of loops back to what Beth was saying to him outside of the bar when he's like, Yeah, I want two point five kids, yeah. the American dream. But like the way this is worded worded, it <laughs> sounds more like I don't know, like a speech a local politician would give, maybe even the dairy princess. I don't know, but it's just such like a, you know, it's not necessarily sexy or compelling or something that would really make me think. It's almost such a generic thought that it's uncomfortable to have it stated to you. I know, and it definitely seems like something that um that two small farmers would say to one another, I think. Like, I think that that's, it's like, you can tell, I mean, you know, with him, I think that there's obviously a lot more going on with her, but I mean, he really is just like a, like a dude who just like wants to farm and wants to live on that farm and just work hard and live on his farm. Like I don't, there's not a lot there with him. Um, 
and I, and that's kind of you know why I feel like he gets in these situations a little bit like with Cheryl like he's just kind of here and like taking it easy where I think a lot of you know other people would kind of notice some of these red flags and be like you know if I really do want Beth back I should probably like chill out with you know seeing Cheryl every day and I I think he's just like he's really a, like a simple guy and doesn't really think a lot you know beyond you know his day to day maybe. Yeah, I feel like Cheryl probably sucks to get stoned with. Oh my god, I I feel like there would be a lot of like I'm getting it also just like with I feel like her kind of whole vibe out like when she said that I just got a lot of like Tommy Laren vibes or like taunt like well however you say her name just like Tommy Laren yeah like, um like some really just like I'm gonna say it like these talking points and like in this voice and it's just that's who she is like she's all about being a good old American girl and with her farm and that's about that's about it too but like this this deeper level of like of being you know having some like severe psychological issues she joined you down in Nashville not that long ago Molly she lives like three blocks from me <laughs> are you dying um yeah I am I have um I have just kind of like, and then, you know, Ben Shapiro's on his way, Candace Owens. It's a whole, um, don't, yeah. Nashville is, Nashville's not, not feeling great anymore. Why are you all migrating there? Um, because it's a very well, it's a very welcoming place for them. Um, it's definitely still, you know, I've been in it it, with Nashville. Just, I, I wanted to move away from here. A, a long time ago, but I've just kind of been stuck a little bit. And then, you know, the pandemic happened and you're definitely stuck. And so it's like, that's kind of one of the reasons that I wanted to move is because there's, there is this culture here of like, um, of, of still just being in the South and being like, there's a big, like, you know, there's a huge race issue here, like where people are just kind of openly racist and we have a lot of issues with that. And we have, um, we have our, governor who's super super republican tennessee is actually like with covid we're we're like number one you know like yeah if you, if you look at the cities by population like i think seven out of the top 10 are in tennessee so it's a very um nashville is definitely kind of a little little bit of a bubble but it's very much still a place that welcomes people with certain certain political beliefs and um yeah it's pretty unfortunate but you know, there's it's it's like any anywhere else in the South that is still a big city where you do have people who who are more liberal. But I mean, yeah, that's that's kind of the the way that it's it's going now with like quote New Nashville and stuff. Do you think Nashville is to the like hip young right what Austin is to like the hip young left? Yes, absolutely, because it's so like the um the the construction business too is so big here. So there's a lot of like real estate developers, like, you know, people that are just quote in real estate. And it's, it's really sad to see because it's like so many of like landmarks are kind of being destroyed and built up with these like disgusting condos and stuff that's like chains and not as, um, not as, you know, like small, not small town, but just like local businesses, I feel like are, are kind of struggling, obviously right now, like everywhere else, but before that too, and restaurants here, I mean, it's the, the restaurant industry is really sad to see. And that's, I used to, um, I used to work at a restaurant before COVID, but, uh, 
you know, new places open up and six months later they're closed because it's just this game of, of trying to open up and stay relevant for the influencers who want to come and just take pictures in front of all the things. Like there's guided tours for murals now, which is like the Taylor Swift mural. Oh yeah. That was, I remember that, that happened. Um, right outside my work but the like the wings I was kidding yeah (laughs) no I mean that's serious it is like that that is one of them like they but it's it's just people girls come here and they wear their hats and their boots (laughs) like you know the tall boots and the hats and just Instagram away and it's kind of you know that's sad to see you know who I like there on social media is um the cereal tipper chick on TikTok who She's like gotten over a hundred thousand dollars in donations over the last year, and she goes out like multiple times a week and tips people a thousand dollars. Oh my gosh, I haven't even seen that. And yeah, it's Lexi Lately, I think is her name. And I randomly started following her very early on because she had some like millennial content that I thought was funny. And then she said, like, you know, I was thinking about, like, you know, just collecting a bunch of money and, like, going out and giving tips to people. This was, like, kind of at the beginning of quarantine, like, us realizing, okay, we're really going to be here for a minute. I think it was, like, Mm mid-April. And she started to collect money. And she's, you know, she's very, like, responsible with it. She's full transparency. Like, this is definitely a situation that could be very mishandled by a different person. But her husband's, like, a musician locally. And I don't know what her main gig is. I know she has some, like, investment property that's decorated it's like themed like mean girls and it's people rent it for like bachelorette parties or something. But it seems like something that might be like locally known to be honest, because it's so over the top, but she is just like a really nice girl. And she, you know, goes out and tips service workers every night, Ubers and, and waiters. And she always tips the cooks too, which I think is great because back of house always gets ignored. Yeah. Tell me about it. She's cute. I like her. Um, But yeah, so they have this like nothing moment after that. We go to commercial and um, she drops him off at home and asks him if she can use his bathroom really quickly before she heads back. And I'll be real with you. I thought about it. I think Cheryl may actually drink a lot of water, but I also think she's the kind of person who could hold her pee for hours. (laughs) That... You know, I didn't think about that um, when I was watching this, <laughs> weirdly, but uh, she seems like the kind of person who, to me, she seems like the kind of person who would pee like every five seconds, right? Because she's like, I feel like just the dairy, but I mean, we never see her with water, but then again, I just the dairy princess, I feel like that's, she has like. Well, she's athletic. She's disciplined, right? She's, I feel like someone who has no problem putting herself in discomfort in order to, you know, be how she wants in the moment. So, and I play games like this with myself just sometimes when I'm writing my notes, especially if I haven't watched it fully through the first time, because I like to try to anticipate what I think is going to happen. So I'm like, there's a 99% chance she's going into that bathroom to cause some like fuckery, but let's pretend maybe there's a chance she has to pee. So 
Kevin opens up some mail at the table while she's using the restroom and he yells, are you finding everything okay in there? And it's been like one second. And I'm like, what does she need to find? She literally walked in to the bathroom, closed the door and he's like, you finding everything? And I just was like, what do you have to hide? Right. And so Cheryl's up to no good in there. You can just tell. And Kevin picks up the phone to make an appointment. And Cheryl comes out. And let's be honest. So it's sexy, but it's definitely a romper. It's it, And I was surprised by that because I was like, I didn't know that. Um, I just would have expected it to be a, like a two set kind of thing. Like lace. It was like, so it was like silk lacy pajamas. And they were cute. They were like black and had like a, like a 90s little like ditzy floral thing on them. Um I thought, or like some sort of color, but yeah, I was honestly, I was surprised that it was a romper. I mean, it looked like something you could have gone into any Forever 21, like five years ago and gotten for sure. Absolutely. And also did she, cause I, to my knowledge, I don't remember her wearing a purse. So she was, she like wearing this under her extremely tight, like Levi jeans. I mean, she did say she had to change before they left. So who knows what that entailed. Right. Like, was that romper in the field with them under the jeans and sweater? I was like, thought a lot about that and how uncomfortable it would be. Yeah. I mean, maybe she was thinking about lying about having to pee as far back as her house, you know? Cheryl, again, I would not put that past Cheryl. So she's like, do you like it? I bought it today just for you. And he stands up and he's like, I'm really sorry if I've given you the wrong idea about the two of us, but... And then just then, of course, you can hear Beth pulling into the driveway, but they're not hearing it in there, not where it counts. And she's like, don't you want me? And he's like, listen, any man would want you. And she runs right into his arms and she goes, prove it. Kiss me. And just then, as she's standing there trying to, like, you know, force a kiss on him, Beth walks in and she looks horrified, horrified. And leaves immediately. And, like, that's a special kind of upset because, mm-hmm. like, you know she hasn't even processed what she just saw. She just knows, I can, for the sake of my mental health, I can't see this. Right. Like, I've got to get out of here. And, I mean, I, we assume that she's going back there to, to you know, make amends. Yeah. And, you know, Kevin goes right out the door running after her. And Cheryl's like, no, Kevin, let her go. And he's like, listen, Beth, I can explain. And Beth's like, there's nothing to explain. I was just coming to like make this breakup official. I'm over you. This is over. And he's like, please let me have another chance. And she pulls away without another word. So he comes back inside. And this scene is really like, this was rough. This was brutal. (laughs) He's like, get out, get out and stay out. Get away from me. And he throws her clothes at her and storms out of the kitchen. And it's just like, I'm trying to think if I've ever had a guy talk to me like that. And I can't say that I, I have, but I know how much it would affect me. I mean, definitely not in person. Like I've like had some cruel things like thrown back and forth at one of each, at one another, like either on the phone or via text, but I've never like never been the recipient of something so sinister (laughs) and so just like like he's not like he's not berating her he's not you know lost his temper in terms of like calling her all these crazy names it's like no like get away from me stay away from me get off my property like things that just are like clear as day and something that she cannot misinterpret like it doesn't matter who you are like 
you're not misinterpreting, get away from me, get off my property and stay away from me. And well, I just like, like the thing is, is I don't think what he's saying is bad. I think like if anything, the worst part of it is that he's not trying to be polite. Like he's very honest, like his feelings are really hurt. He just yeah. had a person he cares so much about see something she should have never seen something right. that he was never interested in. I mean, he is basically like you have caused me so much pain. Please leave. Right. Right. It was like. It just felt like in terms of and like when I like when I say him, like what he's saying is sinister. I don't mean like that it's unwarranted. Yeah, it's just it's so it's just if you're Cheryl, that's the absolute last thing that you want to be hearing right now. But thankfully for Cheryl, like as much as things affect her, this doesn't affect her too much. Like, I don't think I would ever have the courage to look at this person again. But Cheryl, she has that true like psychotic like ability to brush it off and go to the bar that night (laughs) so kevin rolls up to the bar clearly i mean he's in a bad place this is you know everyone's a regular at a place like this so uh he saddles up to the bar 32 33 to 3350 well kevin make it a beer friend of yours over there might need a friendly word yeah Who's that? The pool partner. She's playing out of her league. Come on. Oh, man. All right, save the beer. All right. <laughs> Here you're sick. Come on. Oh, look. The beer's all gone. Yeah, bartender thinks maybe you've had enough. Yes, I have had enough. Enough rejection for one lifetime. Thank you very much. This guy bothering you? No, no, he's okay. He just doesn't have a clue about women. Real women. Do you think I'm real women? Woman and a half, you ask me. Come on, I'm taking you home. Maybe she don't want to go. Well, maybe you should let me decide that. What difference does it make to you? Now you spoil my good time. Come on, give me the keys. Give me the keys, Cheryl. Sounds to me like the lady wants to be alone. (laughs) Al, the bartender, is watching on from the bar. And, like, he's my favorite character in this movie, I think. Same. He knows everybody. Like, he, I feel like he knows the most out of everyone involved here. He sees it from all angles. Oh, for sure. I mean,. He's looking at this fight like he's disappointed, but not surprised. Right. Because he's like watching, watching poor Kevin get played like fiddle and, you know, the train wreck that is Cheryl and the other guy who I assume is in there hitting on like scarily hitting on drunk girls every night. He's just he's seen it. He's seen this a million times. He's seen it all. He's resigned. So let's talk about just Courtney Thorne Smith as an actress in this moment. So when she's doing that sort of like spoiled baby girl thing. Can I point out her sweater? So her sweater is one. It's not just cow print. It is one single cow that is, it's a, and it's on a scene of the desert. So you have sand and a bunch of cacti and then a cow that's standing on its hind legs. It's a desert that, cow. It's a desert cow and it's all pastel colors. So no matter how sad she is, like if Cheryl's stepping out to the bar, like it's still on theme. So yeah, I just wanted to interject. Yeah, so you know, 
And we can imagine all this happening in that sweater. Cows are her life. Cows are she sincerely means that. <laughs> so like the weird okay, so the sweater is a good point because like I kind of want to mention that like, you know, she does this like spoiled baby girl thing by the pool table where she's like, You ruined my night or whatever. And it's such like a little girl's voice that she's doing. But Courtney Thorne Smith has a very deep voice and a very mm-hmm. adult quality to her. And yeah. it's kind of bizarre to see her switch back and forth between the two. It's uh, it's like, I don't know how else to say it, except she has like too womanly of a voice to act mm-hmm. that young. I know. Because it was like the the way that she was speaking and the the timing and the pit like everything was it did it sounded perfectly like a child it, like the, the way a child would say this but then like you said it's like she's a but she has a woman's voice like this is coming this this behavior and this like the mannerisms are like a child but yeah it's like this is coming from like a grown grown-ass woman with so a woman's like, face like she's with a woman's face but a baby sweater. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, the sweater really tells you her emotional state and her mental state, I think. Yeah, so, it was, it goes back to that thing of, yeah, the whole time I'm trying to figure out this movie of how old these people are and they're just not giving you any sort of help at any point. It's also kind of like sad and, you know, maybe unbecoming is a little intense of this, like, you know, local beauty queen to be drowning her sorrows alone at the bar like courting these truckers also what? yeah what would have happened if kevin hadn't shown up like i shudder to think (laughs) like that's not like like i don't know that just was not a safe situation that she put herself in not that she should have to worry about that but you know you're in this small town in the early 90s like that's that's a real scary situation i would like to think she could have figured it out just knowing yeah. Cheryl's ways, but I mean, and that bartender, I think he would have stepped in. It's interesting because, like, there's a lot of weird role reversal where Kevin, you know, found her in the first place because some guy was trying to take advantage of her, and then, you know, just one scene ago, he loses his girlfriend because she's forcing him herself on him. Yeah. And then she puts him in this weird situation at the bar. So he fights the truckers, but he makes it out back in time before she can pull away. And she's like, you know, I can drive. I can do it. And he's like, no, you can't. And she goes, then I'll walk. And she goes sprinting (laughs) into the woods. Then it's a high speed chase. Like Kevin gives chase. It's like it's they're sprinting through the dark forest. And uh, Cheryl gets to a clearing by the water tower. And clearly she like waits for Kevin to come because she Mm -hmm. wants to make a show of the fact that she's about to climb the water tower. Mm -hmm. This is entirely for his benefit. And Kevin sees her scaling to the top and he faces her up there. And she tells him that if he comes any closer, she'll jump. And she tells him, Mm -hmm. I love you. And she starts to crawl over the banister. She goes, you must love me too, right? I mean, there's something between us, right? I mean, we belong together. This town is everything we both want. And he Mm -hmm. says that, you know, it's kind of funny because you look out and you see the land, but Beth can only see the stars. And he's like, basically, at this point, he's trying to get her to stop her from throwing herself over the side. Right. And she says, you and Beth, you're only together out of habit. Listen, you know, I'll give you the life you want. I can be anything you want me to be. 
And she's yeah. in this moment, she slips and she is basically dangling. She's is holding on by like a thread to this, you know, beam here. And he grabs her arm and he manages to pull her up and over the banister and they hug. And she goes, Very, like, Titanic. I know. She goes, would Beth risk everything for you? If she loved you so much, she would she give her life for you? Has anyone ever loved you that much? Kevin, I love you. I can't help how I feel, can I? She tells him that she'll always be there for him and begs him to love her back. And they start kissing. This was bleak. This whole thing. It was really, really bleak. It was really sad. <laughs> um, I mean, I've, I felt really bad for for Cheryl and obviously for Kevin. Um, but yeah, she's, she's like over the edge and like, um, this, this actress did a wonderful, what remind me of her name? Courtney Thorne Smith. You may know her from the carrot top movie chairman of the board. I was, yeah, of course I do. <laughs> of course I do. Um, she, I wanted to give her the respect that she deserves because she, I mean, wherever she, like she channeled something like, she channeled something and she looked absolutely insane when she was on the other side of that rail, like looking at him and saying that he loved her back and that like, there's, there's gotta be something between us. Like there has to be. And she just looked, she looked absolutely scary. And I just, she did a really good job of like channeling just the desperation and the, like this place of like absolute rock bottom for, you know, a lot of people, what they consider rock bottom, but for Cheryl, it's just like, this is like, I am doing what I need to do to get this farmer, this man. And it works. <laughs> Here's my theory, right? All of it was planned. Like, obviously, yeah. we know that, you know, her going to the top and like trying to manipulate him by falling off the side or whatever. But I genuinely think that that was like her gymnastic skills. Like, she oh, yeah. only knew that if she almost fell, if she just could hold onto one bar, she mm -hmm. would probably be able to get herself out of there no matter what. But mm -hmm. Kevin's instinct to go save her is as strong as ever. And she's counting yeah. on that. Yeah. She, I mean, this whole, I mean, this whole thing, like she knew that when she was at the bar that he, like, she was going to, you know, prey on his like savior complex or, you know, his good guy, like for him to step in and stop that situation from happening. And then she goes off to the water tower and goes up there and she knows he's not just going to let like Kevin, like farmer Kevin is not just going to let this girl jump off this water tower. Like that's not a, that's not a scenario that happens. And so, yeah, she's just like manipulating this guy from start to finish. And I, you know, that the situations never end well when it's just based on pure manipulation. Part of me wonders if she was even drunk at all. I know. That's honestly, did we see her drink? I well, I guess know. the bartender cut her off. But but yeah, so the next morning, Kevin has his arm around Cheryl and um, they kiss passionately. And when he drops her off, he asks if they can hang out tomorrow night. And she goes, anything you want, you know, anything, anything you say is fine with me. And he looks rightfully turned off by this <laughs> and yeah, he asked he her you know is there anything you want to do and she goes no anything you pick out i'll love it and then she mm -hmm. walks in the front door and her dad is reading the paper in the side room as he does let's play 37 19 to 38 58 this is a interesting peek into cheryl's psyche yeah very insightful Sorry I'm late. I don't know where the time goes when I'm with Kevin. 
You're supposed to be home sooner? Don't you remember when I left? I said it'd only be about an hour? <laughs> Don't you care where I go or, or what I do? Well, you said you were with Kevin. Daddy, you say his name like he's just another boy. Half the girls in this town would faint if he even looked their way, and I'm the one he picked. I thought you'd be proud. No, I don't keep up with all this. If your mother was here... Well, she's she... not. I am. I know you're Do here. You? Daddy, I'm your daughter, and you never even look at me. I could be 12 years old for all you care. You just you just sit with your, your pictures and your memories of Mama. I can't help it if I still miss her. Would you miss me that much if I were dead? Don't even joke about a thing like that. Well, Daddy, I bring home good grades and, and, and trophies and, and, and blue ribbons, and it's never enough. Kevin, when he looks at me, he really sees me. I'm not that little girl anymore, Daddy. With him, I'm a woman. Are you sleeping with this man? I would if he asked me. I won't have that talk in this house. Not while you're under my it's roof. It's fine with me. All right. I mean, the layers here, the just everything that's at play here is just wild. It really is because like they're having they're having a disjointed conversation that I mean the acting is doing a lot here. I do wonder what Dwayne was thinking a little bit in this scene and if he knew that these actors were going to be able to sort of play this as well as they did because it's you know she's talking to her dad like she wants him to notice her for being like a sexy adult woman right and that's just too much to ask from a father like much less a father who is still in grieving over his wife who's seemingly been dead for 15 years like this is all or not 15 but you know maybe like 10. no like a, a long ass time a really long time for him to still be like as sedated as he is by the grief um and she, I mean, it's just kind of like, you know, sorry, Dwayne, I hate, you know, a little bit of like a lazy writing in terms of just being like, this is my issue and this is my issue. And it's like, it could have been a little bit more like subtle, I feel like, like to just, and not lazy writing, but like just the subtleties just like weren't there. And I felt like there, there was just so many different layers like that you're trying to process and you're trying to process like this first thing that's happening. And then she hits you with this other thing. And then she hits you with this other thing. And it's like, Oh my God. Whoa. Like I would like, so yeah, mom's dead. He's still really sad about it. Like you're, you don't get the attention that you want from your dad. And like, so that's why you maybe look for it in other men or in other, you know, other places. And then the grades aren't good enough. The trophies aren't enough. It's just like so much um, that she's just like, hitting you with really at one time that was like a lot to process for like a really small portion they're unpacking like a decade's worth of shit in one conversation and right like have they approached this at any other point or i don't it was just it was really strange i also feel like it's strange that he like basically implied that she runs through a lot of guys earlier and then now seems possessive over her virginity. 
I literally wrote in my notes, I was like, well, dad wakes back up when it's time to accuse her of being a slut. Like, that's, it's just typical, like, you know, like that, like dad trope of just like, I don't care where you are or what you're doing, like, but like, if you have sex in my house, like, get out. And it's like, okay, there's a lot more to be worried about here. Like, you made a hint earlier to this guy that she's seeing that Cheryl has psychological issues that she like broke her own car to get your attention. Like, you need to like be talking about that (laughs) with her. Like, there's some stuff that needs to be addressed here that's a lot more important than if Cheryl is sexually active or not. But, you know, a lot of the times, like in like, that time period or just like in small towns, you know, like really conservative, really conservative homes. That's all that gets discussed. And it's only discussed when it's time to like get punished for it, you know, other than like having that conversation when it's time or like addressing other things that are glaring red flags, behavioral issues. And, but it's just this, like, that's all he really cares about is if she's like having sex in his house. It's like, there are bigger issues at play here, dad. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I want to argue that maybe this scene is well written and even better acted because Mm -hmm. it's so like, it's so interesting when you think about it. She comes in with an attitude, assuming that her dad is going to be counting the minutes that Mm -hmm. she's passed when she said she'd be home, Mm -hmm. where he's like, kind of his attitude. You're an adult, like you've got a car, like you've got a boyfriend, like. I didn't really mm-hmm. pay attention to when you said you'd come and go. Mm-hmm. That's that's very true. And she's like, but don't you baby me as like your I'm your precious daughter. Like, don't you care about me? And he's like, yeah, of course I do. And she's like, well, would you care about me if I died? And he's like, what yeah, the it's- fuck? And she's like, <laughs> you know, Kevin's not just some regular guy. He makes me mm-hmm. feel like a woman. And I'm like, well, listen, you're you kind of like talked yourself into this fight because your dad never cared. Right. That's like, no, that's a really good point. And, it, you know, you know, it could be more like like this is her dad also re- like almost being like resigned to Cheryl's like he's been there and he's seen this like red flag, like he's seen this behavior. And, you know, maybe there's been like some interventions in the past and he just doesn't know what to do. So he's like, yeah, you're like, you're an adult. Like. I'm not questioning you on this. And like, like, I'm not going to go like have this whole conversation again when, you know, it's to him. He has the clarity and like the ability to see outside of her brain that this relationship is not going to last or like that it just started and she needs to like calm down a little bit. Yeah. And also I think a little bit of like Cheryl's going to do what Cheryl wants to do. Like this Mm -hmm. is definitely someone I agree that like he's resigned at this point. Like he kind of doesn't know how to handle it. I'm sure he's happy that his daughter is pretty and Mm -hmm. successful. And like, you know, that's I think the most he could ask for sort of as a dad who Mm -hmm. was forced to raise a young woman that she turned out to be this lovely young woman. But Mm -hmm. I mean, he does feel a little hostagey to me. Yeah, no, he's, I mean, the way that they present this character is really, like, I feel, I feel so bad for this character, because every time we see him, we just walk into the house where he's already just kind of sitting in a completely silent room with, in his little chair, and he's not doing anything, and, you know, we just walk in on him doing that, like, as if that's where he's been for the, assume, like, for the assumable is that a word like past and present it's or past and future it's like what is going on with this dad like he's just sitting in his grief and you know cheryl walks in and then he you know she starts like 
demanding all of this stuff Doing out of this him. Bizarre dance. Yeah, I will say mm-hmm. that he does look like he's been in quarantine too, because he has just like the <laughs> standard bald man the haircut. <laughs> but it's yeah. like grown out. Like it's, it's very a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's starting to look like he's working on a comb over or something, and it's just not yeah. there yet. So it's down on the sides. Right. Kevin helps her move into her new place. She found a place that is decent rent and she can see his apart. He can she can see his house from there. And he's Mm -hmm. like, does your dad know that you're putting your cattle on my land? And she's like, you know, it's really none of his business. I didn't want to I don't want to ruin my good days. Let's not talk about my dad. And you can see that Kevin is sort of overwhelmed by how quickly this is moving. Yeah. Yeah. None of he he didn't sign up for any of this. Then we see that the place she rented is a little airstream that it's an airstream. <laughs> hipsters would pay a lot of good money to live in that now. Oh, I literally thought of at least four in Nashville at this moment that are, you know, upwards of three hundred dollars a night. <laughs> like, and you know, we're, this is just some shitty little yeah airstream. I did. Do those things have bathrooms? I was very concerned about that. They can. They definitely can. I mean, they're customizable for sure. Um, I think like it's basically just like a hollow vessel and you can kind of make it what you want it to be. But Mm -hmm. when you think about it, like this is so much more ideal to live in than an apartment building. Yeah. I mean, she gets to like, she gets to drive this thing wherever it doesn't drive, but you can hook it up, you know, and it's hooked up to the Dairy Princess Mobile and it can just go wherever like it's right now i mean yeah people are paying so much money for these things right now and you know in quarantine so that they can travel safely like it's i was yeah i was really jealous and i think that's why i was desperately searching for a bathroom was being like oh my god i love this thing i want this thing like i need an airstream now <laughs> but a lot of those van life people and Mm-hmm. It's interesting because, you know, there's the argument that they're sort of gentrifying homelessness, which I right. think is a very good point. But For one sure. thing I thought about recently as well is it's it's one it's not it, it's not the same for POC as it is for white people doing this. It's just not. Right. Right. Two, it's very uh fat phobic. Like you gotta be a skinny <laughs> person to live yeah, to maneuver not, inside. Yeah, like this van life thing that a lot of people are are pushing. It's like there's a reason why it's like super slender type A hipster Instagram couples that live in these things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cause like I mean I literally my brain goes to like those two like bachelor people that have it and it's just all these like all these like very specific pictures of like this fabulous looking lifestyle and stuff. And like I think of the reality of living in a van and it makes me wanna like like have a panic attack because I just I get very claustrophobic and I like would just I don't know, not being able to like stretch out and like have your space and like my back hurts sometimes. Like I don't know, it just doesn't seem it just kind of seems a little unpleasant if you actually think about it. What bathroom like people in live in an airstream? Kaylin, well, they don't live in it, but they always take it on vacation. Kaylin Miller, Keys, and Deanie Babies. Oh, Deanie Dini Babies. I don't know his last name. I, I only saw them on. I only watched Bachelor in Paradise, and they were a, they like they were a couple on that one. Yeah, didn't uh, Ashley I hook up with Dean? I, I don't I didn't see that I, I'm like very sporadic with my bachelor watching 
And I didn't see the season that she, that actually I was on or the multiple seasons. I think I saw like the like tail end of one where she, but she was just like crying about Jared a lot. So I don't really. She played there was the a long game. Other men. Dude, I was, yeah, good for her. I was shocked by that one. So um, she says that, you know, this place can be whatever she wants it to be and that she can be mm-hmm. whatever he wants her to be. And he As tells always. her, you know, you can't just live your life for someone else. And she goes, of course I can. And who I am is exactly what you want. I mean, like, literally, what's that codependency 101? Which is, you know, codependency is a natural human thing that we all do. And it's like all those studies about it recently, too, that it's like, it's actually not something to be like ashamed about. But this is like on a whole nother level. This is your identity is somebody else like completely it's not just that her like his moods affect her it's like my like what I want to do with my life is what I like what you want your life to be and Kevin just like hates this I think that like you know if if Cheryl only had the like the ability to see what she was really doing is that he's she's literally like running Kevin back straight to Beth because he's like oh god I'm feeling suffocated and I don't want to define this person's life and like I love that Beth had her own shit you know and you know poor Cheryl's just over here just trying to be just trying to be who who Kevin wants her to be and and it's still not even clear like why she loves this person so much because I mean it's you know she doesn't know this person she doesn't really know anything about this person what what she knows about him is what we know about him and we don't know you know, we don't know anything besides that his parents lost their farm and he wants to get it back. Yeah, it's definitely that moment for Kevin where he's realizing that some of the things about Beth that made their relationship a little more difficult were exactly the things that he needed in a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Larry comes by Kevin's barn and he's like, wow, you're doing three milkings a day. You can probably quit your job at the garage soon. And Kevin says that it's a little bit harder because he has Cheryl's crew, too, now. And he's like, do you love her? And he's like, well, she cooks for me. She cleans for me. She dresses for me. And all I have to do is mention something I'm interested in. And the next thing she's it's all she can talk about. Beth never did that. And Larry says that Beth has a life of her own. A job. Now she's volunteering at the hospital. She even started tutoring at Jackson Elementary. And he says, you know, she's like that. And it just wasn't going anywhere, unfortunately. And Larry's like, do you miss her? And he's like, well, it wouldn't make much of a difference. So this is a scene you and I texted a little bit about yesterday. So Larry and Beth (laughs) hang out in the park and we see Larry sort of. I would say that this is like. 80% 80% goodwill, 20% trying to get them back together so you can have a shot at Cheryl. Wait, yes. There's some, like, major hidden hidden motives here. <laughs> so he and Beth are hanging out at this park, and she's really, you know, excited to tell him about this watercolor kit she's getting for her students. Wait, and is, is, are they at a park, or are they at, at the school? I think it's like a school park. Or it's like a playground. Like, I don't know. Like, was he at school? Like, that's that was my, like, I was so concerned because I was like, did she break? Like, she's tutoring at this school where these, like, I thought it was the, they were at the school playground and she's, like, showing all the artwork. But it's like, 
you can't just bring your adult male friend to like the school playground <laughs> with all the, the kids 90s, you know in the 90s <laughs> things were a little bit more fast and loose but that's true that's I true so yeah it's not advisable to like invite your random adult male friend to the pr- playground when you're watching a tutor. tutor. But like she's very, you know, she's very excited and passionate about teaching. Yeah. Like you can tell that. And he mm-hmm. says that, you know, she can't do all this school stuff if she's flying around the world because, mm-hmm. you know, there are a lot of people in town who need her around here, including Kevin. And he goes, listen, he may be with Cheryl now, but you're all he thinks about. And this little girl comes running up and she goes, she asks Beth if she can push her on the swing. And she's like, yeah, I'll be there in a sec. This little girl is like kind of amazing because she has one line. Like, I feel like she stole the scene. Yeah, I kind of feel like when you see someone like this, you have to assume it's like the director's daughter or something. But like, I kind of think not like. I think that she just stole the scene like that. They gave her like the real 80s treatment where she's in this sort oh. of like kooky colored sweater with like mm-hmm. a half vacation braids ponytail. <laughs> yes. Like she's got a real look going on. It's it was so it was such a like a bold choice because for hair and like, you know, hair and makeup, like they had to like braid her hair and like give her like all these braids and then like like pick out this really trendy outfit for someone who's on screen for five seconds. It was so like when you texted me that picture, I was dying out laughing. I was like, I like the fact that like your brain thought like saw this kid and like picked her out and was like, Oh my God. Like, like just, it was this alarm was so funny to me because I thought the exact same thing. I was like, what is like, it was a moment. And a lot of like, I don't know. I just feel like a lot of people might not have noticed it, but it was like this like crazy, just bold little girl for five seconds yeah that all like it was it was so bizarre well it's kind of interesting that they even like turned the camera on her like they set up a shot yeah (laughs) like it could it literally it could have been a scream from the playground with no face totally 100 percent, or just like the back of some head or something (laughs) but larry asks her if she misses him and she says that there's no point now you know Mm-hmm. Cheryl's got him and I don't. So Cheryl's in her airstream and the theme is shabby chic cow. Um, <laughs> the theme could not be more shabby chic cow. Like if there's something in there, she's shabby chic in it. If it's something that can have a cow print on it, it's got a cow print on it. Like it was, it was, and it's such a small space too for such a bold choice. Um, it's very Cheryl, very Cheryl. And it's, yeah, it's very girly and very childlike. And she's mm-hmm. looking through bridal magazines and she starts to have a little bit of a fantasy. It's like her she's like moaning, her faceless friends, like help her slip on her gown <laughs> over her lingerie. And she finds the dress that's perfect for her. And she just says, that's the one. It's the only one that'll do. So then we see her go into town to check out the dress with her own eyes. And coincidentally, Kevin passes by in his truck and sees her doing this. And he definitely has like a what the fuck look on his face. But, you know, the unfortunate thing with Kevin that's really bothering me is like he knows this is wrong and he just keeps going with it. Like I was weirded out by her. Right. Like this is that like that moment when she's like uh, the third time, like when they were back, you know, the last time when she was introducing the Airstream when she's like, "I, I can be whoever you want me to be like. 
that's when you end it, Kevin. Like you knew then, you certainly know now, and like yet here we are still kind of dragging this thing along. Like I was really frustrated by Kevin being like, Yeah, well, there's this girl who, by the way, is still fully in town. Um that I actually want to be with, but like, I'm just with Cheryl because she cooks. It's like, come on, Kevin, like break up. Like you're hurting Cheryl and you're hurting yourself and you're hurting Beth. Like everyone in this situation is hurting. And you know, it's just, I don't know. It was, I wanted Kevin to fucking do something. But I guess he is doing something because it turns out he's on his way to go meet Beth. So, well, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, but like break up with Cheryl first. That I thought was so rude. (laughs) I know, but you know, Kevin definitely he seems like he's got a problem being single because he's he's making yeah. sure his back burner's on as well. <laughs> Let's play forty three oh three to forty four twenty seven. I thought you two were the perfect couple. At least I thought that Cheryl's spreading around town. Well she gives me everything that I want and nothing that I need. You and me were different. I thought that was the problem. I did too. But, you know, I realize that we have different goals, but we're alike where it counts, and we can grow from that. I want you back, Beth. I'll never stop loving you. You know, can't we compromise, huh? See, you want a career in travel, There's right? There's no agency but here. But couldn't you open one on your own? Kevin, you know I can't afford that. No, but... See, maybe we can. And we can work on our goals together. Oh, maybe we could travel ourselves from time to time if you want. You know, I've never seen much of the world. Maybe it's time that I did. You would do that for me? Oh, man. There's nothing that I wouldn't do for you. So, can we try? you give me another chance they're back on baby yep and just like i literally wrote down like yeah they're back it's on like and i did he's i felt like he said all the right things you know he was like our you know what i thought was you know stuff that i didn't want to compromise with you on like we can compromise and yeah i thought it was like really you know exactly what she probably wanted to hear and like I don't not in, like I don't think that he was just gonna do it like for what you want to hear. I think he's gonna follow through, but like, or oh, I forgot the chance. But it was a good. I thought that was a really good conversation. Yeah, I feel like that's everyone's sort of dream in some sense. Is like your mm-hmm. ex that you never stop loving, not mm-hmm. only comes back to you, but everything is twenty twenty now, and it's yep. basically like a a renewed promise of a future together. Right. That's. I mean, yeah. One can only hope. <laughs> so then this is brutal. Oh, God, this is so brutal. So Kevin yeah. stops by the beauty parlor. Oh, my God. Carol's getting her hair done. And this it's is in just, rollers. as someone who has anxiety. This is like, I'm never good at like, can we talk in an hour or something? Or like, can we talk later today? Like, it's just so Same. vague. I'm like, tell me what's happening. Same. It's like, no, I need to know right now because that's like, if you don't, I'm going to develop like a stomach ulcer in the next hour just like fretting over this thing that you're gonna tell me the only thing in his defense is that like there were no cell phones exactly that's true that's true he's like yeah hey like 
I see that or I know that you're in here. Like, well, we do need to talk, but like later, you know. But, so oof. he comes in and she's like, you know, I'm trying something new. I think you'll like it. But if you don't, I can always come right back and fix it. And he's like, I'm sure I'll like it. Listen, um, <laughs> can we get together tonight and talk? And she's like, no, now's a good time. Let's do it now. And he's like, this isn't the right place. And she's like, no, you're scaring me. Tell me. And, like, of course, like, all the women in the beauty shop are, like, listening to this. And, like, that's probably the most embarrassing part. It, I mean, this was in, like, she has her hair in rollers. She's in the middle of what I'm assuming is getting a perm. And there are other women just sitting in a row staring at them, not speaking. It was horrible. And so he says, you know, she's a wonderful person. And he means that. But he made a mistake and he wants to fix it before they go too far. And. She still doesn't get it quite yet. She obviously Mm -hmm. thinks that like he's been maybe he is keeping a secret from her or something. Yeah. But he says he still loves Beth and she's like, well, that's just what you think. But you just feel, you know, sorry for her. And he's like, no, I do love Beth. Um, And she's like, stop (laughs) it. You're not thinking clearly. You know, I can be better. I can be more of what you want. Anything. And he tells her once again, like, you know, listen, I'm moving on. Right. And she's like, no, 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 no. You're making a mistake. And she starts to get loud. And at this point, everyone's like, oh, my God. Um, And she's like, listen, all I want is to get you back. All she wants is to get you back so she can break up with you again. You know, and he's like, no, no, no. no. Beth and I have this history. I'm not just going to toss that aside. And she's like, but I love you. And I've never said that to anyone. Doesn't that mean anything? And he's like, you know, it counts for a lot, but I can't see you anymore. So she watches him pull away in his truck with Beth in the passenger seat, which is. He brought Beth to go dump her. That was I like when I saw that Beth was in the car, I was like, ouch, like that. That's just a I I just I felt really bad for Cheryl. (laughs) Like I felt bad for her. I'm, you know, that was tough to see. Well, because she's obviously not. Not well. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. So that night in her Airstream, she pulls up and her hair is done and she's got tears running down her face and she's just having a hard time. You know, she got all pretty for nothing. And then she finds a note tucked in the handle of the Airstream and it says, Cheryl, I'm sorry. Meet me at the Colston Motel room 301 tonight at 10 p.m. And she yells out, he does love me. So sad. So she goes to the motel. She's all like, she's wearing like a power suit kind of. I was going to say she was in a, I was about, she was in a business suit. I was as like for someone who we've seen, who we've seen dressed like, like basically a child so far. She all of a sudden was like a 50 year old politician. And she like knocks on the door, but it's already open a little bit. So she lets herself in and she sees that there's chocolates and flowers on the bed. And she puts her scarf from her suit over the lamp for like mood lighting, which is like (laughs) something you only see in movies. Mm -hmm. And she starts to undress and she gets under the covers like but is sitting up like looking towards the bathroom door waiting for him to come out. Mm hmm. And uh, let's play when he does. 49, 44, 250, 55. Hi. Wait. Wait. Don't say a word. 
I want you to know that I understand why you said the things you did. You were afraid, because it's all so perfect. Well, I'm afraid too. The truth is, you're the only person who's ever really loved me. And that's why I love you too, Kevin. And I'll never leave you. What are you doing here? The note was from me. I knew we broke up with you today. I wanted to make it up to you. Make it up to me how? By tricking me to a motel room and raping no. me? No! I wanted to talk to you. I, I thought we'd get to know each other. You get away from me! <laughs> Beth put you up to this, didn't she? She doesn't know anything about it. Oh! And I'm supposed to believe that? You're all laughing at me. Cher, Everybody no one is laughing town. at you. I wanted to get to know you. I like you. By ruining my reputation? You're going to pay for this. I don't know how, and I don't know when, but you are going to pay. All of you. So it was Larry. It was Larry. Larry made the absolutely crazy decision to lure her to a hotel, hide in the bathroom, and then make the big reveal. And I just, that was, it just was wild. Like, it didn't have to happen at a hotel, you know, could have happened at a normal place. And then, like you said earlier, like, they should have given her a little bit of time to cool off from the breakup. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this is, we should point out, so, like, the part of the story that is the main fictional aspect for this movie is that Larry was not a person that we are aware of. Right. Can't find any any person who existed who would have been in rare, in Larry's position. And this is definitely, it feels scripted, right? It feels like something mm-hmm. that's, you know, it would happen in a movie, but not in real life. And it's, yeah. you know, it's, this is a massive, error in judgment for Larry for Mm -hmm. sure massive (laughs) especially because when you think about it she's seeing it as like you're ruining my reputation meaning that like he's made her be seen at a motel yeah and that and that Beth is in is in cahoots with him and in like they're framing her like that's where her mind goes why she thought he was gonna rape her I don't know I mean yeah it's like like he's it was crazy. <laughs> like, maybe she just felt vulnerable, and so that's where her mind went. But that's, like, I'm like, don't tell people that, girl. Like, Right? Like, don't, don't like, yell that around. But, like, I mean, I guess, I, I, I mean, if I'm, like, in her position, like, thinking that, like, this guy did just, like, kind of lure me to, ho- to a hotel under, like, false pretenses, it is a little scary. Like, I mean, that's definitely, it was a very... It was a very aggressive and scary move for something that should not have been neither aggressive nor scary and should have maybe just like just have been a movie. Like, hey, you want to go catch a movie, Cheryl? I'd love to cheer you up and like talk to you. Yeah. Larry doesn't know her well enough to know that, you know, she's going to strip down to her nighty as soon as she walks. Exactly. Away. That's true. That's something only Kevin would know. Only Kevin. So Larry's working away on the farm and he doesn't notice that Cheryl is parked in her car in her cow earrings watching everything he's doing. And then a little while later, Kevin comes out of the barn and spots the empty like tractor thing. I don't know what that is. I think a tractor. Yeah. And Larry is dead. And Kevin is obviously devastated. It seems like a terrible farm accident. And these things happen all the time. My cousin got his legs cut off by a tractor, and I'm Are not you meaning me. To, I'm like not meaning to laugh. And I oh don't my actually. God. 
it was a situation where like, I think he died. It was like a very distant cousin, um, but it was a tractor accident and they do happen. And I didn't mean to laugh at that because it's, I like have inappropriate reactions to stuff like that. No, it's one of those things that you kind of like, once you've processed the trauma, like what else are you going to do but giggle? Like, it's 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 so absurd. It's so absurd. Um, And he was like, yeah, it was really sad. He was like young and um, yeah, had this really horrible. And I really am not presenting well that I can't remember if he lived or didn't. But again, I can't stress enough how distant of a relative it was. Um, And it was before the time of social media and all that. But yeah, these like, it's really scary. And do you remember that movie with when Reese Witherspoon was like a baby? What's it called? Like Man on the Moon? Yeah. there's a tractor accident in that, right? I think so. That sounds right. I think there's like a pretty fatal tractor accident there. But yeah, it's I, and I think this was a plow. I I think. Oh um, yeah. He was like plowing the um plowing the field like to get ready to plant stuff or to I don't know which. I, I no, know that more sounds right. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just it looks like it was something that could have just it could have just been he fell off and he got stuck under a blade and that was you know, a really unfortunate accident. But they did see, we had, we saw that sinister scene before, like you zoom in on those cow earrings and you know, someone's been here. I like that she wears all black when she's doing something bad, but she drives her fucking car. Me too. It's like nothing in this world is going to offset. You can't camouflage that, that car. Like her best, her, like, the best case scenario is that cows surround it and you can only see the cow print, like, <laughs> like, through, like, but, like, to get. That would be like, sick. <laughs> that would be awesome. She, like, slowly, like, creeps out and you realize that it is, like, it's her in her cow, like, in the Dairy Princess mobile. But, like, it's so bright pink that you can't hide this thing. Like it, it sticks out like a sore thumb on a farm of all places. And yeah, I loved the covert look though. I was, I loved it. Like the hat and everything. Yeah. She has this like Janet Jackson hat on. Like it's such mm-hmm. a, it, it was almost a baseball cap, but too short on the brim. It was, it was bizarre. It was, it, it was a look. <laughs> but like, if you live for cows, and you have that car like why would you even be dating i would be running around trying to camouflage that's that's all i would be like rehearsing with these cows like you're like you're in position one you're in two <laughs> like that's that's what my whole life would be yeah she definitely does not live for cows if that's no. if that's the I- she lives for kevin no, she lives for, we haven't seen her milk a cow. We haven't, I mean, like she dumps her poor little herd on Kevin, who I'm assuming is now milking them and everything. And yeah, and it's just, yeah, she doesn't seem very concerned with the herd to speak about it as much as she does. That is a good way to like keep track of your like spokesperson though. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you, you cannot miss this car. <laughs> like, like you if I would guess that most dairy princesses did not live a life of crime based on the fact that that was their vehicle. Like this is a rare exception. Oh, this. Oh, so I have a, a fact actually that the, this real case was the first, um, the first case of woman on woman murder in whatever County they were in. I can't remember the name of the County, but yeah, it was, it, that's how it was. It was a really big deal. Cause it was the first time a woman killed another woman. Well, definitely first reported, because let's be real. I was to say, yeah, the the first reported woman-on-woman crime in Rib Mountain. (laughs) She really broke the mold. Yes. 
That's what feminism is all about, baby. And Cheryl is a feminist icon. Someone who someone who wants to who wants to take on the life of her farmer husband and be whatever be whatever he wants her to be. She's still trailblazed though. Feminism. Yes. You can be so- two things. <laughs> At the funeral, Kevin cries over, um, you know, he cries to Beth over the coffin. Like, the coffin's Over the coffin. (laughs) Like, he's at his ankles. And, you know, he says this makes no sense. This is the first friend he ever lost. He wishes he could have told him how much their friendship meant. And Kevin and Beth are, you know, dancing. This is cut to, like, a dance night after. I, I thought this was part of the funeral. And I was like, whoa, this is a this is a really happy, like, like this is a, I've never seen a funeral where there's a dance. Like a Absolutely. DJ. I was like, Oh, it's a, we're doing a celebration of life. Yeah. That's same. I was like, maybe it was a thing where it was like, if Kevin died, I want it to be a celebration. But like, yeah, they, I, it took me a minute to realize this was like some time had elapsed. So, um, it's like a, you know, it's like a town hall square dancing night. And mm-hmm. You know, everyone's there because later Beth is going to be talking to a priest. But Cheryl walks in with a date. And once Beth spots her, she's like, oh, no. So Kevin's getting some punch when Cheryl comes up to him with her date, Hank Fisher. And Hank's like, you know, oh, I don't know anything about cows. I wouldn't know which end of the bull to milk. And then he says, you know, oh, uh, you know, I'm in car sales. I sell at the used car lot on Maple. I can get you a good deal on a car if you need it. So it's very obvious that Cheryl has spent a lot of time talking about Kevin to Hank. Oh, yeah. Hank Kevin, says, like, I've heard about you. Yeah. He has, like, talking points. hmm And she tells him she's so sorry to hear about late. Oh, she tells him, she tells him to go get her jacket, right? Yeah. So he goes and fucks off and she's like, you know, I'm so sorry about Larry. It's, you know, it's been, he goes, yeah, it's been a tough couple of weeks. And Kevin says that Hank seems nice. And she's like, oh, it's a mercy date. He's a family friend. Uh, She was hoping that they would run into each other. She wants him to know that she's cool with everything and that all she cares about is that he's happy. And he is like, "Mm -hmm, thanks. You know what I mean? Because like, it's nice to think that someone wants to hear that from you but almost 90% of the time when you're saying that to someone it's for you yeah no like she didn't everyone in that situation knew that those were empty words <laughs> and so um she says she promises she'll move her cattle off of his land soon but good pasture is hard to come by and she and her dad really aren't on good terms And he tries to excuse himself, but she tells him that Larry really loved him. They didn't spend a lot of time together, but she knew that Kevin was the best friend he ever had. He told her as much, and she starts to tear up, and she says she really misses him, and she leans into him for a hug. And across the room, Beth is talking to the priest, who's telling her how valuable she is to the community. And she sort of just brushes it off. She's like, oh, I I enjoy the work I do. And she, you know, he's like, I hope you have no plans of leaving in the future. And then she's as she he's saying this, she turns her head and she's clocks, you know, she clocks the hug. Right. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So when they're leaving, you know, you can kind of assume that they've already spoken about this. And Kevin mm-hmm. asked her if she had fun and he can tell something's a little off. And she's like, are you upset about Cheryl? And Beth's like, no, no, no. You explained it, especially, you know, if you're over her. And he's like, you know, I, I assure you, like, literally nothing's going on between the two of us. 
So Kevin and Beth are talking in the lot when Cheryl comes out and sees them. And Beth is saying that she never thought of herself as the jealous type. And Kevin's like, I like that about you. You don't want to see your wife let you go off with just anyone. And she's like, you're what? And he says that after what happened with Larry, he knows that life is too short. And if you want something, you have to grab it while it's there. Yeah. And he wants her. And he asked her to marry him. And Cheryl is watching all of this. Mm, yeah. Okay. So that night she goes to her Airstream. <laughs> she pulls out her wedding dress. The poor thing bought it. I mean, the money. Have. Like, what? where is this money coming from? I don't. I mean, there's no explanation for it. We were, we're given no reasoning. She doesn't have a job. She doesn't. Like, she's not, like, farming her herd. Like, she's not milking cows and selling her milk. Like. I don't know where this income is coming from. Yeah. If cows could be viewed as an investment, I, I understand what you're saying, right? Like if she's having Kevin milk them and then sell the milk. Yeah, at- right. <laughs> <That's> what, yeah. <laughs> like exactly. No, but, um, you know, a wedding dress is not a cheap garment. It's not known as one. And I oh. doubt for Cheryl of all people, she would. So I'm assuming like that's like an $800 wedding dress, assuming like the, you know, inflation of the time. Yeah. Yeah, and she said, I mean, even when she was looking, she was like, no other one will do, which kind of like made me feel like she was, it's like, I am not compromising on this. Like, this is the one I want. And, I, you know, price be damned, I'm getting this one. And it was in a magazine. And I just feel like it was, yeah, it was definitely something that like Cheryl would not be, would not be in some, you know, cheap wedding, wedding gown, not the Dairy Princess. And she holds it up to herself in the mirror and her heart absolutely breaks. And she says to herself, stupid Cheryl. And she throws the dress, the dress box on the floor and she goes, stupid, stupid, stupid Cheryl. Um, I, it's so sad. It was really hard. That was hard to watch because I was, was like, oh, yeah. Cheryl, you're not stupid. You're just like misguided and like probably like need an education and like right. more interests and better friends. Like you just need some stuff going on for you. A friend, one singular friend would do. Like what happened to that girl at the bar in the beginning? I, just, I guess. Yeah, we literally never. I mean, we, that's the only interaction we see from Cheryl with with someone who's you know not in her life via Kevin besides her dad but or yeah, those was, truckers that she or those, or those truckers which was also not which is not good and wasn't friendly like she, I feel like she just needs one genuine friend can we talk about how wedding dresses come in boxes they're so big like the boxes like the box that a wedding dress comes in is this is what would you say like four feet by like three feet or something yeah they're huge and my dry cleaner has one like on display with like a wedding dress in it I guess is like an advertisement Mm -hmm. to how he's willing to store your dress or whatever (laughs) but like I know a garment bag is flawed for many reasons but I've never understood a box I haven't either it's and especially I guess like I've never thought about actually shipping it like from point A to point B, you know, but folding it up and like putting it in because the box is already really big. Why not just like make it absolutely huge, like a furniture box and just have it standing up? It's so it's so bizarre. Right. No, I agree. It just seems like. And and also the boxes are like just gift boxes. They're not like. Yeah. <laughs> 
They're not like, like super like, sturdy. Yeah, at least send me like a plastic box. Right. Like something that I can actually store this thing in. It's not going to get like moth eaten or like, because, you know, you wear it one time and then it sits in the closet for the rest of, well, Moisture's know. getting in there. All <laughs> sorts of shit. So yeah. Beth leaves uh, her mom's house for the day and we see Cheryl pull out of a side street to follow her. And mm. Beth has just gotten to Kevin's and she's in the barn calling for him when we hear Cheryl slam the door on her car and walk up to the barn and her all black ensemble again i was gonna say yeah we've got the spy outfit and beth she's instinctive dude she right away decides to climb up the ladder on the wall in the loft uh Mm -hmm. to like the loft right above but as soon as cheryl enters you know poor girl beth she trips over a uh, or something yeah like some sort of hoe or something mm-hmm. and cheryl here is like oh there's definitely an upstairs so she goes scaling the same ladder mm-hmm. to go find her mm-hmm. and uh then we get like a mini cat and mouse game up in the <laughs> barn 58 minutes to 101 22 beth beth come on this is ridiculous I know you're in here. I saw your car. Uh, Are you following me? In case it slipped your mind, my cattle are still here. A little paranoid, are we? If you're looking for Kevin, he got an early start at the garage, I think. Well, maybe that's good, because I think we need to talk. For some reason, you seem determined to ruin my life. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean... (laughs) You wrap yourself in all this saintly innocence, and all the while you are plotting and planning and... Scheming against me. Are you jealous? Is that it? Is it because I'm prettier than you? I don't have anything against you. Unless you count how you weaseled your way into Kevin's life. If he left you for me, it's because you wanted to. No. We were having problems, and you knew exactly which buttons to press. You don't know me. I know your type. Look who's talking. You steal my boyfriend. You set me up in a cheap motel. What did I ever do to you? Motel. I know, okay? I know what you did. I am getting out of here. Get out of my way. Not until we settle this. Settle what? That Kevin loves me and not you? That's just a fact. We've been dating long before you even knew he existed. Maybe so. But then, when when he realized how much better I was for him, you couldn't handle that, could you? You had to get him back. How'd you do it? Did you sleep with him? He told me that, um... (laughs) That you two had never done the deed the whole time you were together. We slept together every night. Couldn't get enough of me. 
Kevin's not like that. Our relationship isn't based on sex. It's something deeper than that and something you'll never understand. Go! All the two of you ever want me to do is understand. Well, I don't understand. I will never understand. What about what I want? What do you want? I want Kevin! Wow. Wow. Wow is right. After this, she rips a pitchfork off the wall, but Beth (laughs) runs before she can use it on her. I mean, here's the thing. I feel like if Bella Hadid looked me in the face and said, is it because I'm prettier than you? I would be like, excuse me? (laughs) Like, there's nothing uglier than telling someone that you're prettier than them. I've never, like, I've never heard this go down. I've never, like said obviously said this or like been the receiving on the receiving end of this but like it's it really is just like the low like the lowest that you can get like the most desperate that you can get it's like I'm prettier than you it's like good god like there's nothing it's just there's nothing else that's there and like you know I think Beth is trying really hard and this like I think they do a good job of like showing that Beth's trying really hard to just like be above it and like you know just not say anything but then after cheryl's like 15th insane comment she's just like i like you wormed your way into kevin's life blah blah blah. get me out of here so i thought that was like i thought that was a good um a good way to like portray beth that it's like look i'm patient but you're being absolutely insane right now and like the things you're saying are like hitting a little like they're just crazy and i have to respond to this Yeah, I thought Beth was brave upstairs when she decided to, like, get out from behind the hay bale and be like, are you following Mm -hmm. me? Like, I was like, you didn't have to do it like all that. Like, I thought that Beth handled herself really well in this. And I was like, you know what? She's a good partner. I always Mm -hmm. liked Beth. Now I like (laughs) her more. Me too. I was like, it it solidified my my approval of Beth and Kevin. (laughs) So Kevin drops Beth off after a date and they're saying how they both had this great time that night. And Mm -hmm. she's like, listen, I want to talk to you about Cheryl. And he says, not tonight. I don't want anything to happen tonight. Tonight belongs to us. He says he got something for her and he pulls out like a handkerchief from his pocket and inside of it is a ring. It was his grandmother's engagement ring and now it's hers if she wants it. And he puts it on her finger and they embrace. And, you know, here's the thing. I'm all I'm all for not ruining great moments. But a woman tried to kill your fiance in your barn today, Kevin. And I feel like you need to know about that. Like a pitchfork. She grabbed a pitchfork at one point. You need to like Beth needs to speak up a little bit like. Yeah, like it wasn't just like I ran into her at the store. It was like, okay, yeah, well, she was like at your barn in all black and she grabbed a pitchfork. So we do and need she to said talk she's about that. prettier than me. Yeah. <laughs> and on that same level, she said that she's prettier than me. Like we need to discuss. Because <laughs> that's why Beth needs like a friend. Like honestly, because listen, I think we've all been there, right? Yeah. Like we've yeah. all asked our friend, like, well, I'm prettier than her, right? And, like, mm-hmm. we've all done that, okay? Constantly. Constantly. <laughs> but that's that's not something you ever say to another person. No. No, it's not. Um, it's, it's just not. But, yeah, so Beth is at work when Cheryl comes in and pays her a visit. This is quite the interesting scene. I was fascinated to see how this played out. She's playing the bigger Mm -hmm. woman. And honestly, my first note in this after this in this scene, and I'll tell you now, is that 
Beth is a better person than me, flat out. So Mm -hmm. let's play this scene right here, 102.31 to 104.45. Guess that this makes it official, huh? Okay, that's number 17 on the first floor. You can park out front. If you have any questions, just ask. I'll call the police. They're not two minutes away. No, no, wait. I just want to apologize to you. Let's just say I accept your apology and leave it at that, okay? I don't know what got into me. Can I buy a cup of coffee? One cup of coffee, six feet from the reception desk? I'm okay here, Beth. Go ahead if you want to. you're worried that I've told Kevin about what happened yesterday, don't. We had a really nice evening last night, and I didn't want to spoil it. But I swear, Cheryl, if you ever... Oh, no, I, I won't. I... It's just been a really hard time for me, you know? Cream and sugar? Black. No. I have to drink wine with cream. It's in the Dairy Princess rule book. It's a joke. I guess I'm late in learning that life and love aren't always fair. Is that an engagement ring? Yes. Oh, congratulations. Don't say that. It's bad luck. Oh, is it? I didn't know. Anyway, um, I'm going away this afternoon, back to college. What about your life here? What life, Mike? My friends, my family. My father never really cared for me, and now that you've got Kevin, my life's a joke. I'm a joke. That's not true. Don't say such things. I just didn't want to leave with any bad feelings between us. I'm glad you stopped by. Really? Really. All right, so... Is it really bad luck to congratulate someone on engagement? It's the first thing I was going to ask you. I've never heard that before. I think that's, I thought it was what you're literally expected to say. I thought there, like, is there anything else appropriate to say? I don't know. Let me Google it. I, guys, just so you know, guys, I um, have a severe migraine. I do think that I am beginning to die of COVID. So this might be my last episode. And all that said, Please, in my honor and my memorial, please go leave a five-star review of this podcast. Uh, I, I, I mean it, though. I haven't pushed for reviews in quite some while. So um, is it bad luck? I also want to point out, I think this is a hotel. So I think Cheryl, or wait, Beth. I think Beth works at a hotel. And I think that the first scene in the movie she, I think Cheryl was at a rent-a-car place because she was renting a car so that she wasn't seen in the Dairy Princess. You're movie. right. You're right. I am. It's either a hotel or it's a. Um. I mean, maybe it's a travel agency. I'm not sure. She told that man she was like first room on the left or upstairs first room on the whatever. So I feel like it's a, and the real the real life Beth worked at a hotel. She was oh, a right. Um, she worked at a hojo. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Howard Johnson, which I just learned today. <laughs> okay. 
Okay. To congratulate a bride on her future wedding is improper etiquette. This suggests that the bride finally found a man to coerce in a marriage. Older women, older women, usually older than 40, are likely to take offense to someone congratulating them on their engagement. That's crazy. That I feel is like I'd be crazy. offended if someone didn't tell me congratulations. <laughs> right. Like, congratulations on, like, you know, entering into this next chapter in your life. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I've never heard this before in my life. It freaks me out thinking that I might have offended someone. <laughs> you didn't. I'm also, I mean, I'm from like also like the deep south where that kind of shit would like still apply probably like oh, for sure saying crazy things like that. And I've never once heard that. So I think we're safe. What's the deal with y'all and swearing? Why do people why are people so uh, uptight about swearing there? Um, I mean. I feel like it's just the same reason as, like, everywhere else. It's, like, especially for women, like, it's seen as, like, vulgar and rude. Like, it's, I guess, like, vulgar would be kind of, like, the main thing. But it's just, like, there's this whole, there's this whole divide between, like, adults and children. Like, the whole, like, I was taught to say yes, ma'am and no, ma'am. And, like, kind of just shook that habit, honestly, um, at 30. And it's just, like, this, like, uh formality to everyday life that I feel like doesn't really exist in other places. So it's, it's just kind of considered like rude, I guess, but fuck that. I like <laughs> yes ma'am and no ma'am. I like that. I it's, it's interesting. Cause maybe I just know a bunch of trash mouths, but like, <laughs> I, I think it's like so strange to be burdened by curse. I know. I agree. And it's like, it's not, I mean, it's not unchristian. Like, I mean, I guess it technically could be, but like not, I mean, it's a word like assigning meaning to a word is crazy that like assigning that much meaning to a word. But I mean, it definitely is like a thing. Like there's alternatives for, I mean, I've I've heard my mom cuss one time and it's when her, her contact fell down the sink. And I remember it. Really? Mm -hmm. Your whole life? My whole life. She said shit. And I cried. I locked myself in the bathroom and cried. So does your mom like not watch movies when people swear or she's yeah my like she's very um yes she well the only thing my mom my mom watches is sports like she like my mom doesn't like is not into pop culture does not have a taste of music or tv or anything like my dad like taped her to a chair and made her watch Breaking Bad but like she won't will not approve like I still feel to the point where I'm in a room and there's like a movie that that has like bad language like quote bad language like I feel awkward with my mom in the room yeah it's like it's just this I don't I don't know what it is but it is there's like this divide and this like respect that's there that's like but it's like it's not respect because like I respect a lot of people that I cuss in front of and like but there's a formality and a like a stiffness about it that you're just yeah it's just a no it's no go well if I send someone's religious I'm not gonna like let it fly yeah my mom I mean it's that everything down there you know cloaked in religion so Beth uh I guess is giving Kevin a blowjob in the car it was crazy it was like foggy windows her head was down I mean there was no other way to interpret that situation. And I mean, 
I think Kevin like came or something. I'm not really clear on what happened. It's very <laughs> weird, right? And because yeah, she it was, was oh, weird. is that okay? And he's like, no, that's normal. Like <laughs> it was so kind of weird. A weird moment, but um, he's like engaged adults. He's like, so wait, why are we waiting until we get married? And he's like, whose idea was that? It can't, it can't be that great of an idea. And it turns out that neither of them can even remember who decided to wait. And he's like, well, if it wasn't me and you don't think it was you, what's holding us back? Do you want to do it? And she's like, yeah, I do. And he's like, okay, we can't do it now because it has to be special. Let's do it on Thursday. <laughs> get us a nice bottle of wine and some candles. And it's like, oh, God. Like what? Also, I do need to know what day this was. That Thursday was neither tomorrow, um, nor like a this weekend type thing. It was like Thursday. Like, was the is that like an opening on the fall? Like the farm? I <laughs> like think there was. Yeah, I think that's a Monday or a Tuesday. Yeah, it was crazy. I it was just like he was like okay Thursday. <laughs> love that yeah he's like it's the first day i have free man you know like larry feeds the the cows before bed like i'll be able to cut loose around 4 30 p.m but larry's dead that's now. when a farm day ends is like 4 35 yeah because they wake up at like three mm-hmm. so thursday it is she asks him if she can ask him something without him getting mad did he sleep with cheryl and he's like no and I have a really hard time believing it, but I believe it. I do, too, just because, I mean, we weren't shown anything remotely sexual between them. Like, they made out, but the first one was, like, like a sobby makeout. And then, did we see them make out again? Maybe we did. I don't know. I feel like they were never, like, I. it's hard for me to believe, like, in real life that that wouldn't happen. But in this movie, I don't. I don't think that Kevin and Cheryl slept together yeah because i mean let's be real like cheryl's big on wife privileges you know what i mean that's true that's true yeah so we cut back to the very first scene we saw in this whole movie like it's the same exact scene i think pretty much where she thinks tracy her co-worker for covering for her and tracy's like well it's all for love and so um this time when she calls out to see if someone is out there in the dark rainy night we see that there is someone, and it's Cheryl. Let's play 107.40 to 109.05. Hi. Got a minute? Well, actually, Kevin's expecting me. Why aren't you at school? Oh, come on. I came all this way. Five minutes tops? Girl talk? Is my car okay? Yeah. So how's college? It's only been a week. It's too soon to tell. You know I'm here. No, I really don't. You stole Kevin from me with your lies. Why couldn't you let him be happy? What kind of a a sick thing was that to do? Get out of my car. No. Then I'll get out. (sighs) Listen to me, Cheryl. I think you need help. So now it's my problem? No. No. You're my problem. And you know why? I went off the pill when I was with Kevin, and now I'm pregnant. You little liar. How does that make you feel? What do you think you'll do when I tell him? Who do you think you'll choose you then? You do or say anything to get him. But you know what? The bottom line is, your tricks don't work anymore. Face it, Cheryl. You've lost him. 
He doesn't love you. He never did and he never will. So she gets out of the car and Beth takes a moment to recoup. But before she can do anything, Cheryl is back in the car, choking her from behind her seat with a belt. And then Cheryl takes all the money from her wallet, as well as the ring, and leaves her there to die. Yeah, that's dead. So we get it, like, where this is going, right? I do think mm-hmm. it's surprising that the sheriff, when when he gets to the house, I mean, he's pretty much got Kevin on the mind right away. I thought it was honestly a little bit cruel because he, he goes up and he's like, we need to talk. And it's like, okay. And he doesn't even tell him, like, hi, your fiance's, like, been murdered. You know, it's it's just like, we need to talk. It's like, there's absolutely no room in this, this cop's mind that it was not Kevin to the point where he's like, not even giving what could be a grieving fiance a moment to grieve the loss of his, of his fiance. And Kevin's like crying to him and saying that they were supposed to get together that night, but she never showed up. And he thought that she had changed her mind about things about him, which is like, let's, Come on, Kevin. What the fuck? Like, Kevin, you can't tell this cop that, like, or he should he just been honest. Like, yeah, we had <laughs> we had plans tonight to lose our virginity to one another. And I thought she was second guessing that <laughs> not like she didn't want to see me. It was like there were there is a reason for those words, Kevin, like use your words. Right. And also, like, you know, he called her work already. Like, why doesn't he I would assume she has a flat tire. Like, why assume the worst about her? Beth has never led him astray. No, no, that's very reliable. So he asked her if anyone can verify that he was at home that night, but he says that he was alone and he can talk to her parents, though, because he called them up to say, you know, have you seen her? And the sheriff says that, you know, he knows that that's not enough proof, but he will check the uh, the call records. So. Mm-hmm. Beth's parents are loudly sobbing and holding each other inside the house. The front door is open to the house and people have started to gather on the lawn and Kevin walks up and Kevin comes up and hugs her mom. And she's just like, you know, they're, they're a strong, it's, it's sad. Like you can tell that they would have been a really cute family had this not happened. Right. Cause they, obviously there's like a level of comfort and like familial relationship already with Kevin that, they immediately, I mean, they're not, they don't, you know, suspect him for a second and they just see him come up and like embrace him. And it's really sad. Even the dad joins in. The three of them just hug each other. It's so sad. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Carol's studying in her dorm room when there's a knock at the door. She's a phone call and it's a payphone in the hallway that's used by everyone, which like, I don't know, always seems like so semester abroad to me for some reason. Yeah. I, I this is such a, um, it was just part of the culture, like 90s culture that I was never um, privy to by the time, you know, I was like older, we had cell phones and everything. So I definitely like when I saw that, I was like, oh, my God, how did how would they even how would you get through to anyone ever? <laughs> like if you're if your most reliable piece of technology was a, a hallway phone that the entire dorm just answered. So it's her dad and he says that Beth was killed and she says, you're kidding. How awful. Do they know who did it? So empty. 
You're kidding is what she says. Like, like flat like that. Like you're kidding. How awful. Do they know who did it? <laughs> like just could not give less of a fuck. So Kevin's at his kitchen table kind of staring at the wall when the phone rings and it's Cheryl. And as they talk, she doodles little hearts on a notepad. <laughs> yes. Kevin, it's Cheryl. You sound terrible. Is there something you wanted? Oh, um, I'm in school and I just heard the news. And I'm so sorry to hear about Beth. Nothing like that ever happens in Cloverdale. You know, I really appreciate the phone call, but uh, I'm not really in the mood for talking to anyone right now. I understand. I just, I just want you to know I'm, I'm thinking of you. Thanks. Do they know who, who did it or, or why? Well, her ring's been taken and cash is gone. And some people said they saw a drifter hanging around town the last few days, but no one really knows anything for sure. Well, you just know that I'm here if you need to talk or you need a shoulder to cry on. I'm just a phone call away. There's so many weird, like, insert shots in this movie. I know. It's, yeah. (laughs) Like, the way they kept going back to that yellow doodle pad, like, I swear to God, I thought she was, like, zodiacing on that. I know. I was look. I was paying so close attention because I thought they were trying to communicate something. But I was like, okay, no, it's just hearts again. Okay. It it is still just hearts. It is hearts. (laughs) Like, I was really looking. (laughs) And the insert shot of her ring at the car place or the wherever, uh, wherever Beth works was so um, extraneous. Like it was just like, it was like, if you're not going to focus on the ring, why now? Right. Right. (laughs) It did seem a little out of place, but you know, you got to love Cheryl, like just no cool whatsoever. Fully Mm -hmm. calling this man shamelessly to be like, so what's new? Like (laughs) she either really doesn't get it. Or I don't know. I think it's that. I, think it's that. I don't think she. I don't think she has a lot of self. Um, like she she reflects on her actions a lot, or any sort of like awareness for her actions. Which is scary because, like, that's what makes me feel like someone like that should never be let out of jail again. Because I, I don't think you can teach that, but it's not a lesson. No, it's not. It's not you. You know that, or you don't. You have that awareness, or you don't. But if she was really just like digmatized by this guy, then I could see her reforming from that. Right. And that's, I mean, that's what prison's supposed to be all about is reform. And like this, you know, she was in jail for 29 years, I think is what it ended up being. She's 50 now and, or 50 when she got let out. And that's, I think that is enough time. And especially when you're that age, like you're, that is a certain, you know, your frontal lobe isn't even like fully developed as Troy always says <laughs> like it's it's like a different you're just you're not yourself yet you know so I like I do believe that she could be rehabbed in prison after 29 years like that's the point of it but it also is like like you were saying that's something that that's not taught or learned so like maybe you learn the punt like the action like 
actions have consequences kind of thing and that murder is bad but like i i don't know what you know what they'll be like bringing to the table in terms of i'm you know fully fully healed here yeah and not a a threat it just says a lot that like she feels like she should still have any role in this like Mm -hmm. i would have been (laughs) mortified like after beth first caught us kissing let alone when he broke up with me in the salon let alone you know like (laughs) and now he thinks like you know post death that she should enter the picture and like Like, there to comfort him like he doesn't want to hear from you girlfriend right like this is my role and I'm stepping into it it's like no no this is not your role that's not your place like not even to call like she didn't even call being like hey like I'm just I am so sorry about what happened it was like no like hey what's up Yeah, she has a lot of nerve, too, because like later on, she's going to be like, oh, God, I cared about Beth. And it's like, no, you didn't. (laughs) No, you didn't. You told everyone who would listen that you hated her. Right. And like you obviously like hated her in high school. And like (laughs) there was never a good relationship. You have many decades of of hating her and and thinking about her. So um, Cheryl plays pays Tracy from Beth's work a visit and she Mm -hmm. tells her. You can only imagine how stunned I was when I heard the news. And she says uh, that Tracy knows how close they were. And Tracy's (laughs) sort of like, "Uh, yeah. And she's like, we had our differences, but friends are forever, don't you think? And Tracy's just killing it. She does like, I don't know what to think. And Cheryl says that she's helping the police get to the bottom of things. And Tracy says maybe the phone records will help. This is a list of all the calls coming into the office on the night of the murder. And this is Tracy sort of trying to psych her out a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's like, look, I know that like something fishy's going on here and you're to blame. And Cheryl has a little brief fantasy of uh, tearing Tracy up with the scissors <laughs> that she's cutting something up with. Right. Like yeah. Tracy's cutting up coupons or something. Yeah. So Cheryl offers to drop the records off at the police station. <laughs> and Tracy's <laughs> like, no, they're coming in later. So she's like, no, we're good. Cheryl- Cheryl pulls up late to the funeral, okay? And she, like, bangs her car door and makes the point to go stand up, not just by the family, but to take Kevin's arm. And she whispers to him, I told you I would be here for you. I miss her, too. And, like, everyone takes notice of this. Yeah, like a 10 out of 10 inappropriate. Like, the priest is watching, like, the sheriff <laughs> is there, her family is mortified, like... Like, Kevin is, body is in that casket. <laughs> yes, and Kevin's, like, completely numb. You know, at this point, he's barely probably taking care of himself. So, yeah. after the funeral, Kevin tells Cheryl that he finally paid his dad off for the land, and he's getting ready to live a life with Beth, but then this, and he doesn't even know what any of it is good for without her. He asks her why she's crying because she starts to cry and she's like really starts to break down. And she says she misses her, too. And she's so scared thinking that something like that could happen to her. I mean, it's so crazy. And she asks Kevin to hold her. And we're going to play this clip. But like, just how masterful is that? Like to literally just go straight into like, well, what if that happens to me? It's the same shit she pulled with her dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the same exact thing. Uh, Cheryl. Sh- sure. <laughs> it's just you and me now. I mean, we're all that's left. 
we're just gonna have to carry on together. Now you know something, I told you before, there's no us, we don't fit. We do, we do, and, and there's nothing stopping us now. What kind of a sick thought is that? You stay away from me. No. You just get away. Stay away. After everything, I'm telling you, I can't just... No, I said, Cheryl! Cheryl! Get away, and you stay away, okay? Kevin! Kevin, you can't just leave me here! Kevin! Don't you dare walk out on me again! But he does just leave her there. He does. He leaves. This is him. I mean, yeah, he realizes he's like, oh, God, like kind of snaps out of it almost because he's been like just in such a state of grief and just has been so sad. Like you said, not taking care of himself, probably and barely able to function. And then he's like, whoa, like, here's the words that she's saying, which is enough to like jolt him back into reality that he needs to get the fuck out of there. I mean, he's probably only talking to her because like his best friend is dead and now his fiance is, too. That's like, what when she when she said she was like we're the only ones left and it was like the reality of what she was saying is that I like like the undertones of that is I have killed everyone else <laughs> like that's that's so wild that she can like have that that separation from from her actions and be painting it as this as this sad tragic situation that they're both in just like the victims here it's crazy. So some upbeat music kicks in and Cheryl <laughs> takes out her knitting supplies at home and buried under them is a belt with his initials. Then we see that the cops find the belt in the dumpster by a car rental shop. Uh, didn't the coroner say that it was possible she was killed with a belt? They decide they're going to compare the leather to some leather that was found on her neck when she, on her body, right? Mm-hmm. And they notice the KR initials on the belt. The sheriff asks Kevin about the belt, and he says that he hadn't seen it in over a week. And the sheriff tells him that it's not looking good for him. Is he going to be staying in town? And he's like, yeah, I'm not going anywhere. So the sheriff talks to her parents and Beth's parents, and they say that they loved each other and Kevin wouldn't do this. They didn't have like and basically he's like, listen, we just have to do our due diligence. It would take a lot of strength to strangle someone. 99 times out of 100, the assailant is a male. Okay, so then they go and interview Cheryl, 118.37 to 119.42. Didn't work out with Kevin and me. He was still in love with Beth and everybody knew it. You have to accept things like that. Where were you the night of the murder? 200 miles away. We already checked with the school. Your car never left the parking garage. Well, then. You know. I'm just hoping you can help me get to the bottom of things. Find out what happened that night. Anything else? No. I was looking over the high school annuals. You were on sports teams in school, weren't you? Yeah. Quite the athlete. Gymnastics and wrestling. I won my share of trophies. Hmm. Why? You just surprised me, so. You must be stronger than you look. 
Yeah. Quite the athlete. Gymnastics and wrestling. I won my share of trophies. Yeah. Why? You just surprised me, so. You must be stronger than you look. <laughs> So I thought he was going to get it there. He seems so close. Mm -hmm. Cheryl didn't do herself any favors either. She she acted really sketchy. And I felt like with someone with some pageant training, she should have known in that situation to like act as helpful as possible. But yeah, she didn't. And apparently the real Cheryl, she, she can, she admitted to detectives. So I guess that's, that's probably why that was there too. I think also like, there's a part of him that doesn't want to believe that the dairy princess could be a part of this. Oh, I mean, I'm sure there's a large part of the police chief <laughs> that doesn't want his precious dairy princess to be a part of this. So Cheryl's outside of her place that night when her dad pulls up and he says that they didn't have much of a chance to talk this trip, but he didn't want her to go back to school without telling her that he loves her and he's proud of her. She says that's all she ever wanted to hear. And she gives him this great big hug. And then we see Kevin walking around in his fields back where Larry died and he spots something in the dirt. It's a cow earring. (laughs) Just like the one Cheryl was wearing the day she killed Larry. Every day of her life. (laughs) Cheryl takes a call uh, in her airstream from Kevin. I was thinking about how crazy it is that she even has a phone out there for some reason. There's no way that cow pasture is wired to get a landline. I'm sorry. Okay. That's what my instincts were saying, but I was like, no, you cannot convince me. No. Yeah. You have to have a fucking wire for a landline. And there was no way that Airstream had a landline. So Kevin's uh, with Tracy from Beth's work when he calls her 121.32 to 122.23. We weren't speaking to each other. I was hoping that you were still in town. As if that makes any difference to you. It does. You know, I was really hoping that we could uh, get together and talk. Why? I was thinking about it, and like you said, we're all we've got now. Unless you didn't mean that. Oh, no. Oh, oh Kevin, I meant what I said. I did. Um... I'm here for you, no matter what. And we can see each other? Maybe we can get together someplace quiet where we can talk? How about my place? Eight o'clock? Boy, you're just, uh... You're just too good to be true. (laughs) I'll see you at night. I love Tracy. I think besides Al, she's the second best character. 100% agree. She's like, like being really proactive here. She has a gut feeling. She's going with it, like getting justice for her friend. You know, Al talks to the cops and Al is sort of the one that does Kevin in a little bit here. He says that Kevin wasn't a fighter, but if he had to, he could throw down. He took down a Mm -hmm. couple of truckers one night and the sheriff says that he's not someone whose bad side you'd want to get on. And Al's like, or rather he asks him and he's like, not if you're smart. So he paints Kevin to be like, Let's be real. Someone I don't know Kevin to be. No, and someone that I honestly didn't think Al knew Kevin to be. Like, it's not like he walked in there, like, fighting those truckers because he was trying to, like, rob them or something. Like, he was was trying to get them to not hit on Cheryl. Right, exactly. And to get her out of there safely. So, um, 
Kevin gets ready to go to Beth's and there's this sort of wild montage of him just replaying it all. His best moments with Beth, sort of where things started to heat up with Cheryl, you know, the twists and turns and all the things he's seen. And it's it's kind of hitting him how quickly it's happened. And if you think about it, it was two months ago. <laughs> it's so crazy. Like life moves at a crazy pace. I feel now because it everything mm-hmm. bleeds into the next. But this is truly a wild ride. It is. He's been he's been in love. He's been in a new relationship. He's been engaged, and he's lost a love. It's a lot has happened for Kevin in the last two months. So he gets to and his best friend. Yeah, and yeah. his best friend. Yeah, Larry Rip Larry. So <laughs> he gets to our airstream. Let's play one twenty three forty three to one twenty five thirteen. Kevin, hi. hi. Come in. What's all this? I made dinner. Pot roast. Told me once it was your favorite. Oh. You don't forget a thing, do you? Not when it comes to you. I hope you haven't eaten. Well, you know, you shouldn't have gone through all this trouble. Oh, there's no trouble. I love cooking. And I'm glad you're finally putting all this Beth business behind you. It's, it's important to move on. Otherwise, we never get anywhere in life. You seem so far away. Something wrong? Police found the belt. My belt. Someone used it to strangle Beth. Wasn't you. Everybody knows you didn't do it. Just like everybody knows I didn't do it. Point is, looks like someone's trying to frame me. Maybe. (sighs) Never mind. No. What is it? Go ahead. thinking what if we were each other's alibi but they know that I was waiting for Beth what if we were both waiting for Beth we were going to tell her that that we were in love and we intended to be together wouldn't that make sense okay so I mean she's not subtle no she's not subtle she basically says like she brings herself up when she shouldn't and she offers him an alibi basically and you know he can just tell that he already thought this and so she's confirming it i mean at this point she's kind of saying like i'm gonna frame you for murder if you don't go with this right right like i need alibi you need an alibi here we are and tracy is basically pleading with the sheriff right now and asking him to look more into cheryl because it's clear that they've zeroed in on kevin and she says that they need to listen to him if that earring means what kevin thinks it means then cheryl would be the dangerous one and they're like yeah thanks for telling us where he is we're gonna go arrest him so we're gonna play this final scene in the airstream 125 39 to 128 40 you're arresting the wrong person. Of course, they could still force me to tell them information that you shared with me in confidence. Unless... <sighs> this is really a, a wild idea, but... A wife can't testify against her husband. What would you do for me? Huh? How far would you go for me? 
Oh, Kevin. Oh, there's nothing I wouldn't do for you. Don't you know that? I love you. Would you kill for me? Huh? Is that a joke? Did you do it? Huh? You steal my belt? Did you kill Beth? How can you even ask that? That's insane. I found this in the field where Larry died. A lot of people wear those. No one I know. No one but you. Oh. So now I killed Larry too? So now I'm this... I'm this... Serial killer running around Cloverdale with, with, with a gun in one hand and, and a bottle of poison in the other? I think I'd like you to leave. What's this? It's mine. You think that I don't recognize my own grandmother's ring? I gave this to Beth. Now, how'd you get it unless you were there when she died? It should have been mine anyway. Oh, my God, it's true. You would have given it to me someday. I worked for it. What kind of a monster are you? Some things work out for the best, but some things have to have a hand in. I only meant to scare. I didn't mean for it to go that far. Can you believe? She told me that she was pregnant with your child? How can somebody lie about something like that? Why couldn't you see through that tramp? I'm taking this to the police. You think I loved you? I can never love you. You don't even know what real love is. My God, you should have killed me. She was my life! And you took that away from me. Okay, things are officially crazy. Kevin just punched her in the face. He found that the ring was sewn to her bra strap. <laughs> which is so Beth. I mean, so Cheryl, sorry. So Cheryl, so Cheryl. Yeah, her bed bra um, ring sewn to the bra strap. He's like, holy shit, like... You have her ring. I recognize this ring. You were with her when she died. You killed her. And then she's like, well, like, it was mine and I worked for it. Like, you know, just like she worked for the ribbons and just like she worked for the pageants. Like, she, that is, she truly, genuinely doesn't understand why she didn't get this prize. And Kevin then clocks her. He, he, or she says something like, she was a tramp and then he punches her in the face, which I thought was pretty well deserved, honestly. Yeah. And so she starts swinging this knife around the carrot <laughs> pot roaster on the floor. It's, yes. You know, we finally, he finally gets the knife away from her and he holds it to her neck and he goes, here's mm-hmm. the knife. And he walks mm-hmm. away and she yells, I'm sorry, please come back. And you just hear her yelling, I'm sorry, come back. I'm sorry, Kevin, I'm sorry. And the cops pull up to the airstream. He like, waves them down and we get a card that says Cheryl was convicted and sentenced to life in prison for first degree intentional homicide of Beth on appeal. The verdict was upheld. And then we get a title of the card at the end, like, or just like the final production slate. And it says Steve white entertainment. 
<laughs> and that's the movie. That's the movie. That's it. I loved this movie. This movie, like I said, like I told you, I think we were talking about it earlier, but this is, this is the kind of movie, the reason why I watch Lifetime, why I love these movies. It's like the acting is over the top, but wonderful. It's the, the wardrobes are insane. It's, it's early nineties. So it's like a comfort thing for me. I would like sneak and watch this, this kind of movie um, when my Christian parents weren't at home and it was like my rebellion. So like, this is, everything that makes me love lifetime and you know love these these movies it's truly a must watch you guys i can't recommend it enough caroline i feel nauseous so i'm gonna wrap this up but you know i love you i'm so sorry you you guys i'm so sorry i was sick but i really wanted to get this done (laughs) i watch a movie and ask our guests not to you know do it so um, you guys, this is a must watch, truly. Take time to watch it while it's on the Lifetime Movie Club right now. Caroline, everything that you want linked on social will be linked in the description. Stay okay. safe in Tennessee. If I die of COVID, you guys, let me be a warning to you. I seriously hope. Oh, oh, my God. I hope to God. Um, no, no, you don't have it. You don't have COVID. Okay. All right. You guys, thank you so much for listening. I have a great night and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. What does feminism mean to you? During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I use my background in journalism and draw on women's life experiences to add to the conversation on topics that matter to fellow feminists like you. Now in its second season, listen to new episodes each month as we explore finding yourself through divorce, battling call-out culture, questioning our ideas about masculinity, and discovering why girls' confidence plummets in their preteens. Guests include Stephanie Kuntz, historian and author of Marriage, a History, April White, author of Divorce Colony, and Loretta Ross, professor on white supremacy and call-out culture at Smith College. Listen to Thread the Needle on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.